Hey everybody, listen and come and ride with me. This is a weekly podcast of two shows that alternate weeks. One is the yearly podcast where we look at things over the course of a year as it's coming out at the same pace. And one is the book club where we look at things over the course of several months like a book club. We are currently transitioning between shows. So that's very exciting as we switch over to GoKaiger for the yearly podcast and something new for the book club. Right now, you're about to listen to the last episode of the Kamen Rider Flies TV show, covering episodes 46 through 50. Henshin! Hey everyone, it's time to talk about our eyes. Are they open? Are they closed? But there's no next fives, is there? Hey Steph. What are eyes, Kip? What are eyes? Mm, often I've wondered, what is this orb that sits between me and light? That's, that's the sun. That's the sun? This is the sun. I thought that was just a bad rumor. Oh, so like the sun's between me and light. Ah. The sun's hoarding the light. Yeah. Let's kill the sun. Well, this makes a lot of sense now. This sun is our problem now. We should kill all suns, but especially the <laughs> biggest one we could find. If we're going to band together and kill the sun. You know what? This is not even my fault. This just happened <laughs> organically. I we, get blamed often. We went often. off the rails so quick. So quick. <laughs> not just in podcasting, but in real life. I get blamed often for causing... <laughs> some chaos and i think it's just other people it's never me for causing the death of the sun yes whenever that happens they're like i'll bet it's that kip uh the heat death of the universe that motherfucking podcaster (laughs) (laughs) uh we're here hopefully not trying to keep us all till the heat death of the universe because we are talking about the last five episodes episodes 46 or 50 of the Commodifies TV show. Uh, next time we will look at the movie Paradise Lost. Whoop, whoop. But uh, for now, uh, how's everyone doing? Because we last talked. Um, I mean, I got stuff to say about the last five episodes. I did too. Yeah. I think everyone probably does because there's <laughs> they hmm, they do some stuff in these last five episodes that I'm kind of like eh, on, and then other stuff I'm like, yes, okay cool like you nailed it um so yeah it's for me i guess my quick review of the last five episodes is it's kind of a toss-up but mm-hmm. for the most part it's good all right how are you feeling stuff yeah about the same i mean the thing with me though is i don't think we've ever watched a series that i've ever gotten to the end of it and been like man they really stuck the landing this has been a sticking point for me on almost everything we've watched, is that I never feel like the ending is quite what I expected it to be. And so for me, I wasn't really uh, surprised or disappointed. I was more just like, huh, I wish that had gone differently. I tried to say that at the start, because this show is so weird. I think I have a different perspective, because... This show does get post-series content in a way a lot of shows we've covered have it. Mm-hmm. Not like Deno, I guess, but um, 
and also just like going through it again, knowing how it ends. There's certain things that I just saw differently that maybe changed how I thought about it, but we'll get into it as we go. Um, but before we start with that, there was a couple things I wanted to share with you all. Great. And start out is if you're sad about the end of the Kamen Rider Fies TV show, what can you do? You could watch some movies and we will look at some of that stuff. But mm. you can also load up your PS2 and play the Kamen Rider Fies PS2 game. No way. If you check the Discord, I've added an image for you all. I, I would bet you money that Jackie can find that game for me. It's very findable um, <laughs> in it? non-CDs, slit ways. Good to know, good to know, yep. I'm just going to take a screen grab for no nefarious reasons whatsoever. I like that they didn't use Kiba's name and they just called him the Horse Orphanoc. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, so like, it's like a, it has a story mode, I think, but it's kind of like a, um, just like small screenshots of the cast. In like a fighting game format. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's at the top is Takumi. Then there's like Usuga. Then there's Bahara. Then there's like Kiba and Yuka and Kaido. Then there's Mr. J, world's favorite. Out of all of the people you could have picked, you put Mr. J in? Like, no offense to Mr. J, but. Honestly, that would be the first person I played as. (laughs) Mr. J was my dude. I loved him. (laughs) I could see. You being like a Mr. J main when it comes like to the like tournaments, yeah, one hundred percent, yeah. Especially if he was like a useless character, because those are the types I tend to like in these type of games. So, yeah, I, I would be that annoying guy, one hundred percent. He's actually like really broken when you keep spamming Chaco on people. That would have been exactly why I picked him too, hoping I could use Chaco <laughs> as an attack. Uh, there's Takuma, there's Psycho, there's Kitazaki. Uh, there's blaster form, there's auto vagin, and there's <laughs> random pick or unlocked, I'm not sure. Probably random. That's incredible. But no, um... Was this an authorized game? Yes. Wow. Huh. So it was like a, a huh. Mortal Kombat? Let's see, all finishers. There we go. That's what you want. Wow, this is the most PS2-ass game I've ever seen. Yeah. Oh, 100%. It has the opening in it, too, so you can, like, go in to the opening and, like, watch it played out, like, with the video game characters. Wow. It plays the, it actually, like, plays the, you know, when Fies, like, mercs people with the <laughs> charge kick, it plays the, the, what's it called? The theme song or whatever. <laughs> That's pretty good. And I think you have, like, a, like, axle form finisher, too, where you go super speed. It's fucking incredible. Yeah, okay, yeah. Um, And back in the day, like, a lot of shows had this. Like, I feel like a lot of things don't get games now, or they're, like, mm-hmm. in, like, a gotcha game, and that's their, like, whole rep, kind of, like, not their own game. But I'm sure we could get this playing <laughs> online. We could, we could do, like, a Twitch stream of it. We could. To be honest, the Axel Form super move is cooler than anything he ever did in the show with Axel Form. <laughs> I mean, fair. Yeah, and it actually looks like really fun to play. I'm sure it is. Um, what, like Tekken 3, like all those like PS1, PS2 fighters. That's a, yeah, big time graphics server. Uh, it's not quite like a, 
if it was fully FMV, that would be great. But I kind of like how it is, just like PS2 graphics and like some FMV. I like how Fize has like one, two, three, four, five, six finisher moves, mm-hmm. and then like everyone else just has one. I mean, you know, the good guys gotta win. Actually, Kaisha has three. So there are like more games where you can play as like Fize characters, but like it's like more generic, just like common writer games. And I'm pretty sure like there are like more modern fighting games and they'll probably have at least the three riders, if not like the three riders and like all of fastest forms. Uh, what the fuck? What? Mr. J's super move. He pulls out a giant sword. Did he have a giant <laughs> sword? I don't remember uh, when he regenerated one time. He did. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. I'm like, I don't remember him having a fucking claim war. I mean, true. But no, um, that came out during the run of the show and I wanted man that would be some fucking spoilers if it came out before the end because <laughs> you have like excel mode and the other Fize mode because like that would be hella spoilers right you'd be like oh Fize is red now what the fuck uh it came out December 18th the last episode is like early January so actually it's towards the end okay it's pretty close you okay you wouldn't have been that far off then yeah so not too bad and you probably wouldn't have gotten through the game that quick anyway. It doesn't it doesn't spoil the show like the show fucking spoils the show. Nothing spoils the show like the show spoils the show. Uh speaking of spoilers though, do we want to see posters for Paradise Lost where we watch the movie or just go in blind? Oh well, I'll see a poster. Come on, show me a poster. Uh-huh. Yeah, and like I said, I accidentally watched a bit of it anyway, so <laughs> I don't know how much you're actually gonna spoil for me. So now, has it has it made more sense in more context <laughs> now, or is it like more confusing? And you're like, that doesn't make any sense. It's actually more confusing. So this is going to be interesting to actually get to go further into the movie now and try and maybe get some answers for them. In this, guess we'll find out. Before the posters, I'll say the two catchphrase or tagline for the movie. Number one. The battle reaches its climax. The legend of the savior about the emperor's belt. The true legend of the savior. The rider troopers deploy. The crusade finally begins. Goodness gracious. The rider troopers? Who are they? So is this like the Do we have to watch goofy ass chrome looking dudes from the last couple of episodes? Those the rider troopers? Yes. They first showed up in the movie. That makes sense. So the tr- traditional poster in silver is the, the normal one, and the golder one is for the uh, director's cut. Oh, that's where that black suit comes from. Mm-hmm. Okay, because I had seen that black suit when I went to the, the 50th anniversary thing, and I'm like, what is this weird-ass like Egyptian-looking motherfucker from? As many questions as are being answered, you're going to have more of the one watch the movie david uh but the the paradise the left one the like really gold one yeah that's like a weirdly evocative fucking picture that like looks like if you watched you never watched fives you would think it's about something completely different right i think they didn't just call it paradise lost they were trying to (laughs) make it very much about like Let's talk about like the fall of man and all this stuff. Um, yeah, it's a whole thing. We'll have to look at the um, 
I'm laughing at the biblical references part of this like Wikipedia page. I'm like, I was I was wondering. I'm like, is it like referencing another piece of art? I'm sure it is. Um, I'm just sort of Paradise Lost. Like, is it is it referencing something like, like, like this? Oh yeah, that's probably a pretty good possibility. Well, a lot of that type of art was like based on the allegories from like the poetry and biblical references and the sat and the other anyway. So, uh, the art that you showed is Satan, sin, and death. I can't quite see who created it, but there's like a like man in a shield and like his mm-hmm. angel stuff. There's a yeah. skeleton man. Yep. There's a bare chested woman. It's deranged. I love it. Yeah, old art, but yeah, definitely. Um. Hmm. Don't want to think too much more because I just want to get what this movie's about in. But um, yeah, this movie is very well talked about, is what I'll say. Uh, people love talking about this movie, and we will too next time. Does it? It takes place after the events of the TV show. Do you want me to say what the relationship between the show and the movie is, or no? I mean. Does it take place after or during the show? Because that would influence. <laughs> or is there time travel shenanigans? It is an alternate ending to the show. Okay. 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 So it like literally splits off from a certain point. Cool. People say um, after episode 25, this is an alternate way the show goes. 25? Wow, that's <laughs> okay. like pretty early. Yeah, that's halfway through the series. Yeah. <laughs> So good news. Um, no Mahara, no Rita. Oh, thank God. Good, because they sucked. But no, this is definitely um, not. It's not usually treated as canon, but also people are confused because after we like watch some more stuff, we'll watch uh, the trailer for um, Paradise Regain. They're like, is this based off the movie or the show? Oh, right. Fun. At Paradise Regained is the new the new movie. Yeah, that's coming out in 2024, early 2024. What the fuck? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, so people are like, is it based off the movie or the show? <laughs> Have to be a holiday special for us or something. And I'll be honest. Um, there are continuations of the show. Dot, dot, dot. Eh? But no. Um, <laughs> so I wanted to talk, actually. Um, we've been talking about like what we could do next. And like there's been some like things brought up. But... Um, We've roughly like landed on three things from before that we kind of were leaning towards. Um, Mm -hmm. One was taking a few episodes, like three or four, and seeing what the post series is for Fies. One is looking at a like comedy show like Akiba Ranger. Um, And one is looking at what is the like movies in like second season of like Garo like. Mm -hmm. Just to kind of bring that down. Uh, We got some feedback and it kind of was like a little lit but definitely lean towards Garo and seeing the post series stuff for Fies. Mm-hmm. Okay. So just like where are people feeling on that? I if if the if the movies are like fucking weird like, you know, um how do I say if the movies are like weird shit like oh this is an alternate timeline Fies, like I kind of want to see that now while I still have a good mm-hmm. like reminder of where we were during Fies. Um but I'm always down for more Gato. Like I think I think Gato is pretty cool and that first series kinda ended nicely, so I'm like, hmm, you know, like where where can we 
go from here, right? Plus, I love that world. Yeah. What do you think, Steph? Yeah, I I was honestly going to say almost the exact same thing, because I already feel like there's going to be some parts of when we go look at Garo again, I'm going to have to be reminded of, just because mm-hmm. you, they start to cross over each other, you know, whether you mean to or not. But also, it would be great to kind of keep along the Fies theme so that I don't have to go through that again also of trying to remember, oh, who was it in Fies that I like so much? So, yeah, I, I think we're pretty much in agreement with that. Okay, then I do have a map of just to let, like, listeners and us kind of know. Um, then for the Fies stuff, let me put that up. That would be after Paradise Lost. The natural place to go is Kamen Rider Decade. Now, <laughs> Kamen Rider Decade does two episode arcs on each of the first nine 2000s Kamen Rider shows. Interesting. And they're all weird alternate alternate <laughs> universes. <laughs> they don't really make much sense, but I think we, we might be entertained. Um, well, they sound like they'd be fun if even if they don't make any sense. I don't think we should like take detailed story notes like we have been. <laughs> but I think maybe it might be nice to look at the three or four series we have in like decade and just have an episode of what were they doing maybe. And like that would be watching more stuff. But I really don't think we need to take notes or like follow the plot like we have been for that. That's more of just a what's this? Oh, yeah. If we're taking it like almost like an R&R series, that'd be kind of neat too, just to be like, guys, what the fuck just happened here without it having to be like deeply analytical. Yeah, that'd be kind of fun. In that sense, I wouldn't want to cover the whole series, though. I would think maybe just like the seven or eight episodes that cover like Deno, Kiva, Hibiki, Fies. Stuff we've watched. Yeah. We'll see what that happens there. Um, It's very weird. Yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with jumping around with just stuff that we've already kind of covered on the show. What do you think, David? Because for like some of the shows, you weren't there, but it's all alternative timeline stuff, too. It's just weirdness, kind of. Right. I mean, like, if. I didn't watch the series, then maybe I'm kind of like, I'm going to have so many questions. But if it's weird alternative timeline stuff, like then it almost doesn't matter, does it? We're no. probably going to have as many questions as you do, yes. As far as I can tell, the only series that it's canon actually matters in Decade is Deno. Okay. And it's also <laughs> one of the only series where the cast is back, but that's like the cast as in the Taros are back. Okay. Oh, makes sense. Um, there's also like a movie that's like decade and dead. We're not gonna cover that. There's too much a deno to do. Mm-hmm. I will like leave a guide for us and let us know what to look at, like written down and also for like fans, but just saying it out loud. Mm-hmm. Um, does it sound feasible to like just do a big chunk of like all eight of those and no notes? Then we'll actually move on to like the fives more candid stuff after that. Yeah. <laughs> if there's stuff that you do have questions on, absolutely write it down if you want to, and we'll yeah, try to remember. But if it's an AU, it like I said, we might yeah. have even more questions than you do. <laughs> this show's so weird. Like, there's this random point where they have a two episode arc, and like it's just because they got the characters of one of the already AU movies back, and none of the cast of the movie that was the AU is there. So it's like, what if these <laughs> characters from the Blade movie were here, but none of the Blade cast is here? It's very strange, uh, but has a cool character in it. So just, so we are skipping from 2004 and 2003 to 2009. We're some time travelers. 
Yeah. The next thing is we're skipping to 2014 to Heisei Rider versus Showa Rider. Kamen Rider Tizen featuring Super Sentai, which was the big, um, the catchphrase was Heisei versus Showa. The Rider confrontation that breaks all rules will be settled, which was oh. like a big versus movie where all of the old riders showed up to beat up all the young riders. It sounded pretty serious. It sounded like some boomers versus millennials shit. Uh, yeah, that's that's true. This is canon. Oh, God, really? <laughs> so 10 years after Murder Fies, um, we get our first piece of canon. It's it's kind of bizarre, but in a really intriguing way. Then we will go forward. This is all confusing. This will be like written down for everyone, but just oh, good. putting it out there. Then we will go uh, to um, 2050. It's only one year later. Also canon. Superhero ties in GP, Kamen Rider 3. This is about an alternative third Kamen Rider that alters history and also has plot relevance to Fies. Oh, no. It'll make sense when you watch it, but this is, it is bizarre, yes. So there's two crossover movies. That second movie has a spin-off miniseries uh, that is extremely plot-relevant to Kamen Rider Fies. Oh, God. That is basically a sequel to Kamen Rider Fies. Fucking what? So Fies is just like the center of a spider web, is what you're telling me. You don't even know... You actually just made a reference, Steph. And I can't even respond to it. Um, oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. I don't need this power. So, yes. Um, then we skip ahead to 2018, where we'll decide how we look at this. Maybe we'll like do like we did for a decade. But there's another show that does um, weird AU stuff with the Kamen Riders. Uh, Kamen Riders Dio. Oh. So that's kind of it. Like, we'll look at a big chunk of Decade, looking at Kiva, Hibiki, Fies, and Deno. We will look at um, the two movies in one miniseries that, has, that heavily features the plot of Kamen Rider Fies. Okay. <laughs> uh, 10 and 11 years after. And then we will look at uh, the other thing. And that's kind of the plot ahead. That'll take like four episodes. If we do like that, maybe five. So confusing because... I can't say what's going on, but the spinoff miniseries of the second movie that features heavy Fi's plot is, to me, the best ending that Fi's gets. <laughs> but no, it's all fucking confusing. Um, I'm just going to say that as much as the three of us love taking things off of the rails, and that's why we're a horrible influence on each other. But I think that something like this is going to be perfect for that because it sounds like as long as we're keeping in mind kind of the chunks that we're talking about while we're discussing them, that's going to be the perfect opportunity to take everything off the rails because the show writers already have. So lean into it. <laughs> I'm so excited for us to get to Come Writer 4. That'll be a treat for me. And maybe you guys will like be in by then, maybe not. <laughs> Week to week, I will be very clear what's next for everyone so they like, are confused. It is confusing. I basically only know this because I was there when it happened. I was like, oh, Fies is in this? <laughs> oh, this is, this is very plot relevant. But that's a lot of stuff that only I could speak on. Instead, I would like to talk about this show. Sounds good. What were you talking about again? After we finish this TV show, we will watch the movie. And then we will see <laughs> how it spiderwebs out into the weird 
comic book multiverse stuff. It's confusing as hell. Hell yeah. Much like when Barry Allen was gone and then in Batman or I don't know, you know, comics. But no. <laughs> Kevin Ryder Fies is a show about you want to finish that sentence, Steph? It's a show about the magic of friendship and what happens when you all come together to work as a team and find out that no matter how hard you try, sometimes things just suck. Tried so hard. Exactly. <laughs> yep. So in that spirit. Wake me up inside. Awakening, as they say. <laughs> but let's start our recap. Episode 46. A new president appears. Oh, boy. Which is to say, um, he does. Uh, and <laughs> last time, some cowboys were killed and some people were killed by terror. But now it's time to see what happened in the aftermath of Kiba killing that guy and being real happy about it. Mm. Yeah, he was pretty jazzed. <laughs> the first new scene of this whole episode goes at the cleaners. Rin, Mahara, and Kaido are there. And they're like, oh, terror is being hunted by orphanized. Which is like true but actually he like randomly killed somebody and then his friend came back to kill him with a car so he's right. not being hunted yet right but i mean I, I i had the same reaction you did but on the other hand i was just like okay if you're looking at a little kid and you're looking at these like biker guys who are you going to believe was the aggressor in that situation no matter what the truth is i will say that when when tarot is supposed to have like bad vibes he does he's actually pretty good at that like like one look he has oh he's a phenomenal actor yes yeah then the new part-timers at the orphanage apparently are able to approve teru staying with the cleaners <laughs> somehow somehow <laughs> somehow yeah and like at the same time like kaido's like trying to like take credit for like saving teru and he's like oh like i'll stay too and like Hiro's like, yeah you could stay and then kaido's like well guess what i hate working I'm only going to sleep and eat. And that's all you'll get from me. And then immediately he's thrown out. It's just, no, wait. They did. They totally get, did the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air thing. Prince, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Fresh Prince out the fucking door. I loved it so much. <laughs> I love, I love like afterward, Tarot like peeks, peeks at him through like the, the clothes and just like looks at him and he's like, let me in, let me in! And Tara's like, yeah, no. And turns around and walks away. It's the best scene in the whole series. You can tell that he's, like, how Kaido is meant to be another take on, like, Akira from Chageron. Right. But he just, <laughs> it becomes very clear here, yep, he is a different kind of man. He's like an actual man-baby, for with all the good and bad. Mm-hmm. Mm. Then we cut to the president who has big operatic music playing. He's on the phone with Takuma. It's like, somebody destroyed the lab before you? Who could have done it? And then we see in the next scene, Kusika is talking to Mari about her memories of their dad. And it's like, did he plan the massacre all along? And Mari's like, he's the kindest man I ever knew. And this scene had like a bunch of white people in the background. There was like a lot of white people. I was like, man, they like spent their budget here. <laughs> I think this might just be in a weird area where lots of white people are. Oh, Because this feels like just a weird, like, crowded, like, city corner. Mm -hmm. The the sign in the upper left is obstructed, so I can't tell exactly where it is, but... Um, and then in the next scene, 
the prez is with a doctor in a very weird room it's kind of got like stage area in the middle of it there's like a curved white wall with stairs like juliet's gonna be up there with her nurse yeah it's it's odd yeah the guy that tarot killed before is frozen solid in flame and he's like a dusty body and like the doctor takes a tank of air just hits the guy to show he's frozen solid um which is funny because like you could have literally used anything else but he's like here let me grab this fire extinguisher and hit him with it yeah and that's when the prez is like the king he's awakening and he walks away i like the way that like it's like oh the like obsession is starting for like him on the king here um then we cut again to kaido who is i thought he was talking to taro no he's just talking to some random kid who's like digging dirt and the kid <laughs> runs for his mom it's because it's like he keeps just asking him questions like he's he really is being kind of weird once you realize it's not a kid that he knows because he's just hopping from side to side of him like oh let me help you dig this hole it sure is cold out here isn't it just like he's non-stop if i saw that dude hanging around my daughter i'd be like hey i'm gonna knife you like <laughs> i completely get that kid running off screaming for his mom he was being a fucking weirdo in that scene because kind of asked hey you've been to fire kid Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, I th- that's when I realized it wasn't tarot cuz I'm too. like what the fuck kind of question is that? <laughs> and then Kaido hangs on some climbing gym like shapes and tries to call Kiba and then screams to this guy, "Where have you got off to, Kiba?" <laughs> Which of course is a great segue. Mhm. The two presidents meet underground. The dad and Mirakami. <laughs> and then we see Kiba no, and then we see Kaido asking someone washing a car to meet Taro. And it's Kusika. Ugh. He's like, I don't fucking care about this shit. There's a kid? Kusika the creep. <laughs> yeah, he's automatically like, he's such a fucking bully. And it only gets worse these next few episodes. Like, everything he does, he's just trying to beat someone up or piss them off or something. Like, he, he has no redeeming qualities these next few episodes. And this kind of starts with, like, water being a very big part of, like, them trying to, like, make sure you notice that, like, water is a metaphor we're using. And it mm-hmm. starts with this hose. He just starts spraying, like, who he's never met Kaido before the scene, which is, like, kind of funny. But he's just spraying him with water because, like, stop it, please. <laughs> You're an orphanoc. I won't. He, like, punches Kaido. And that's when Takabe comes out and is like, uh, like, stop it. And then Takabe's just, like, on the ground helping Kaido up. It says, Look at yourself. Orphanox pretending to be human. And this is a point in my notes where I put, like, I am so fucking tired of him doing the same rant every time he's around Takumi. I swear to God, it never changes. It's always just like, oh, you Orphanox. And it's just the same bullshit every time. I'm so sick of him. The man is a broken record. He honestly is. And it's like... He, he, I think it's more that he like can't accept that there could be orphanox who don't want to murder people because it's very evident. Right. Like Takumi is not murdering people, Kaido's not murdering people. You know, Kiba wasn't murdering people afterward, and like <laughs> it's been like what I don't know. the The timeline of the show is weird because like I don't know. Has it been a year? Has it been a month? Has it been like five days? Like who fucking knows? Right. Um, the seasons are passing. We see them in yeah. like, sweaters again. Right, so yeah. it's been like it's been like a year, right? So it's like evident. It should be evident to him that it's like 
oh, okay, you know, maybe there aren't, like, every single one isn't bloodthirsty and wants to murder people. But, yeah, he's just, like, he just doesn't stop. I think it's hard because, like, sometimes I feel like Orphanox are meant to be, like, similar to vampires, where, like, they, like, can't exist in society and they need to make their own, but also when and why, like, they don't need mm-hmm. to eat people. Sometimes, like, we just see people, like, kill people or why did you do that why did you have to do that you could just like eat some robin and hang out or like get a sandwich right. right. not eating this person i don't know and i think that's part of the thing with him too though is because it's really easy to look at him and be like god he's so fucking annoying like he's always so uh self-righteous about everything and he always just he's always pushing people into corners but on the other hand if you look at it objectively all the orphanox have literally killed innocent people kiba has osada killed so many innocent people. oh yeah she killed a lot of people you could understand both of them and their motives and where they were coming from and you could excuse that but you couldn't put aside the fact that the, yeah they killed humans so <laughs> Whether he went about it the right way or not, Kasaka kind of had a point the entire time. The worst man you knew just made a point. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I, I hate it because I hate him as a character, as you're supposed to, because he's annoying and creepy as fuck. But on the other hand, if you think about it objectively, the dude kind of knew what he was talking about. So what do you do? And I guess a lot of the show is like more about what will people do with power? And it's like, oh, people right. like there's no need to kill people. It's just like, oh, you have the power to suddenly you are. Right. Right. That is kind of a point, I guess. Um, but Mirakami is meeting with Hanagata and they're like, what's going on with the king and what's with the fate of the Orthodox? Okay. H- hang on. Before we go, before we go any deeper here. We should probably mention who Hanagata is because I don't yes. think up until this point they've actually said his name. Mm-mm. So yeah, Hanagata I have that in is, my notes. Yeah, yeah, Hanagata is the the Ryusei schools like adoptive dad, ex smart brain president, uh, orphanoc who was in the basement for years. He's the most important character who's on screen very rarely. He's a catalyst for everything. Right, yes. I, I quite literally just called him after I put the note to myself, Mr. Hanagata is the father. I literally just called him the father throughout my notes for the rest of that because that was, I felt like the biggest role he played, but David's right. He played like most of them through this series. He does a lot of work. Yeah. I just kept calling him daddy in my notes. That worked for me. I can see that. I mean, that makes sense. I should have. It would have saved me a couple of spaces. Because, like, in the last episode, I can't stop calling Mirakami present my notes. That's too much. I kept calling, um, what's his name? Uh, Mihara? Mihara. Wait, what? Mihara? Yeah, Mihara. I I couldn't remember his name for the first couple of episodes, so I kept calling him Fleabag at my notes. I don't know (laughs) why, but then I... I called him Mahara for a couple of times after I caught his name from someone else saying it, and then I forgot it again, and I started calling him Fleabag again. So if I accidentally say that while I'm giving my recap, just know that's who I'm talking about. No, okay. That's fair. I don't know why Fleabag either. It kind of works. I'm being perfectly honest. I just, I needed something to make me laugh. It was a really rough day at work. Get off my ass. 
No, no, you're good. <laughs> but so, yeah, um, the Rusei dad, the goat, former Prez, Hanagata, and basically, um, he says, Mirakami, you came. I'm glad you came, but I knew you would eventually. And it's revealed that he knew what was happening to the Orphan Ox, and he went underground to accept his fate. I'm not sure if it's been revealed what's happening yet, or... No, we don't know. Nope. No, that's coming up. And basically, like, what Mirakami says is, you chose to hide underground to accept your fate, but I'm not weak, and I'm not going to abandon this war. Mm. I'm going to awaken the king to liberate us. And um, that's when he says to Murakami that the Orphanox must be annihilated, and you lack that conviction. And Murakami is like, no, humanity must be annihilated. Once we awaken the king, the world will be ours. And then just kind of a non-sequitur to a guy's just buy some light rail tracks, smiling on the phone, listening to some butt rock in his car. <laughs> and a biker who does not need to eat humans. So there's no reason for him to do this besides like, nope, be a good asshole. It's almost like he's bored or something. Like he's setting yeah. up a game for himself. But he pulls up, puts his ear t- to the guy's back window, um, shoots a like vine tentacle through the guy's like ch- like seat of his car chest yeah the the back yeah. of the seat through his chest yeah and the guy dies and then in his pajamas is taro atop the car and the guy says who are you and then like the adult shadow of like taro pops out and the guy runs then the train wakes up taro and he goes home <laughs> and he's like uh why am i in the street in my pajamas <laughs> Man, they told me puberty would be weird, but damn. Keep waking up in tunnels. It's the weirdest goddamn thing. Is this a metaphor? I'm going to go have to ask my uh, my school-age friends if that happens to them, too. Do you, since you've been going through puberty, do you ever just wake up in a tunnel? Because it happens to me, like, daily. And you know his friends would be like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they're like, what do you mean? Wait, what? <laughs> strange Kevin. Uh, but no, um, and then you realize Kevin's 32 and everything just takes a downward spiral. I was picturing the like guy who snitches from the like cartoon recess when I like pictured Kevin. So, yeah, gotcha. Looks yeah. like Randall. Yeah, Randall <laughs> looks 32. Love yeah. it. Um, but the biker followed Terror home and it's like, what the hell is this guy? And in the next scene, he's with the Prez and the Prez says that was the Orphanock King you just met. And then the guy's like, the king? And the, and he's like, yeah, the king. He's partially awakened. It requires the influx of Orphanok energy to awaken. Um, and then the guy's like, what? So we just sacrifices then? And the Mirakami says, exactly. And the guy's like, don't screw with me. What happens when the king is born? Our power sh- should be enough to wipe out humanity. And then Mirakami, like, you don't understand a thing. Without the king's powers, there's hope for us. And at this point, I was kind of like, part of the plot I didn't really remember, but... The king is not compatible with everything else we know about the Orphanox, right? No. Not really, no. No, not, I don't think even a little bit for the most part. Where I kind of came through on, like, the, like, canon in my head was that he was some kind of, like, weird being of energy that got reborn that, like, created the Orphanox to feed on, and that's why they're fucked up, but that's never said. He's got some. He's got some vampire the masquerade like antediluvian type mm-hmm. uh, stuff where like the first vampire's been asleep for thousands of years, and when he wakes back up, he's got to eat all of his children to get his power back, and it's just yeah. kind of a loop. 
and like a lot of like antichrist things going on too but like i like the idea of like he's just like did he make people just to eat them later is that his whole thing he needs he needs power back because like it makes sense if if like the orphanox are creating more orphanox because then like naturally when he comes back hopefully they've made enough for him to eat that he'll be you know strong again or whatever right Mm-hmm. And I like the way it's like showing that now their uh, power is like not to be hunted. It's to be prey like for all that they can do, you know. Right. Because I think yeah. all the other Orphanox are under the impression that they're kind of like, you know, once we kill the her- humans, we inherit the earth. And it's like, nope, that's not at all what's going to happen yeah. to you. And you guys are fucked. Yeah. And well, and I think it's interesting because you do start to, as these next couple episodes go on, you start to see that more and more, and you start to see kind of who believes it and who doesn't, and it's it draws some really interesting parallels for how you're going to see like the future of the world with the current events. I mean, that's something the show does really well. Yeah. And, like, this guy just, like, also feels like a throwback to the first couple of, like, villains that were just guys on motorcycles randomly killing people. (laughs) You gotta love those guys, though. Yeah. I love myself a, like, roaming killer. Of course. But, um, the Cleaners and Taro and Haradrin play some baseball and then more present stuff as he's, like, in this big board meeting, a bunch of guys is like, that's quite the hubris joke. Would you care to repeat it? And it's revealed that the thing was, we would like you to resign. And that it's revealed that basically he was only appointed because the old Prez Hanagato was gone, but now he's back. And then that's when he actually walks in the robe and says, actually, I'm grateful, but I can't resume my position. Kiba will. And Kiba comes in with new hair. Probably one of my favorite scenes uh, in this set of episodes, just because they, I mean, they try to pretend that it's not Kiba, but it very obviously is. But he's walking in like Mm -hmm. they do this back view of his really expensive suit and his hair slipped back. And it takes a couple seconds till it finally pans up to his face. But man, he he is a fucking Gojo, not Gojo, uh, fucking what's his face? Shogo from change your yeah. ass looking dude yeah like he looks yeah, exactly he looks... like him and i'm like huh yeah and i didn't know that was possible like he was all edges to his face it was incredible yeah Kiba comes in he takes over what do just like before we get into a lot of what happens but how do you all feel about Kiba in the end of the show in these shows i um... i mm... <laughs> For me, honestly, like, to me, it didn't make much sense the way that he, like, just suddenly was like, oh, I'm evil now. Right. But the way that his character ended did kind of make sense for him. Like, they, I don't think that it would have gone any other way. Um, But I don't think he would have stayed evil for that long either. So, like I said before, I've got some conflicting feelings on these episodes. Yeah, no. And like there's like a point, like it's like a small scene, uh, but like later on even where like the Bruce dad says, I believe that you'll do the right thing because deep down you value like humanity, like even when he's mid. Uh, yeah. And we're not there yet, but there is a scene even before that that I legitimately thought was going to be his turning point. So, yeah, I'm with you there. They created some really good like opportunities for him writing wise to make that decision. But 
I don't know. I mean, how we feel about it in the end is one thing. Oh, yeah. But um, now Kiba's in charge. And then we cut again to Mari. She's talking with Bahara, talking about Taro. She's like, we had bad childhoods. We should help him. We're going to help him. Mm-hmm. We'll see how that goes. Uh, but um, then we see smart lady. She's in the presence chair. and says, ooh, Mr. Murakami, I'm so sorry. Ooh, face. This is no longer your office. <laughs> right. It's really taunting him. Like, I... Yeah. <laughs> it's it's still so weird because, like, what is her job? Is she just, like, some weird fucking, like, liaison robot lady? Uh, yeah. She's, like, HR, I think. But, is like, she? the worst kind of no, HR okay. because she's gonna be the one that hits on you. So you can't even report it to anyone. HR, it's me. <laughs> On the wiki, it says she's the mascot. Th- that's weird. Okay. She's got a lot of responsibilities for a mascot. <laughs> it's weird being the mascot. Well, I mean, she does a lot. Like, she's almost like an assistant, maybe, but one that doesn't really have any loyalty just to whoever's the CEO at the time. I mean, she, like, does a lot of s- stuff. So, I mean, she's like the mascot. She's like, oh, if the mascot's out, people won't assume it's. Smart brain work. She's. I, I don't know. I. I guess. I don't know. I could be completely wrong. I don't know. I just. I, I wish I had her job. That's all I'm saying. She's twisted, is what she is. She gets to drive expensive cars and dress all in blue. Like dream job, honestly. Girl boss. She has one good scene later. We'll get to. <laughs> um. But Mirakami grabs her and throws her spinning across office that she screams scary and then he's like i still got days to sleep i have the king and everything will be mine mm. but then we cut back to the baseball game as teru hits a ball thrown by like mari and they're, they're like all like or no like um mari in like her philly hat hits a ball and Teru's going for it and my note here is he likes everybody much more than he likes Kaido, and that never comes yes. back up. Yep. <laughs> like, man, these normal adults are so much more normal than this guy. I'm fine yeah. with them. I guess it makes sense, though. Kaido's kind of a wild card. Kaido's too needy for yeah. a child to like him. Um, it's because Kaido is a child. Yes. Oh, yeah. And like, I really like the way they look at that this whole chunk, honestly, but um, the biker's back, and he's like, sorry, kid. You're not my king. And then he becomes the coral orthodox and tries to kill like no lion, no like <laughs> giraffe or like so many things they don't do. But they're like straight to coral and okra. I mean, it's cool. Yeah, I like it, but it's funny. But he gets tackled by Mahara Takumi and they transform and they wreck him because he's just some dude. I, I fucking love their finishing move on him, though. That looked really oh, good. Yeah. Where they fucking volleyball him. Yes. It was so fucking entertaining. I love that. This show does the best job of maybe any Kamen Rider show on like the like tag team or like multi-man like finishers. They're pretty good all around. Um, I agree. He gets Rider kicked into Tabby's punch and then Katero can't find his keys. And is like, oh, like I heard a clicking sound back there. I'll go find them. But they get attacked by Murakami, who's here to fight and he wants Teru. And then they're like, oh, no, he wants Teru. And then Mari in backwards baseball cap calls Kusika. They can look for Mari. But Mihara calls the Jet Slager and gets his belt yoinked big style. Yep. Yeah. 
And then Mirakami is Delta, takes it as Kusuka shows up. And they both transform and have this like gun standoff. They're like, ooh, who's going to shoot first? Then the Slager appears. So Kusuka gets chopped and hit by it. And then Takumi pulls up in the side basher and says, get in the side. And like Kusuka's in the side of his sword out and they're going to like dodge CG blasts and try and like <laughs> joust them. Yeah. <laughs> and so like um, a ton of CG here and there's like missiles and like his psychic blast, whatever. Um, and they net Mirakami in the Sliger, but he like last minute, he like breaks out, jumps in the air and like shoots back at them with his like his blast. Um, so then Kuzuka gets back control of the Sliger or his motorcycle makes it mech mode. While this is happening, all the employees bow to Kiba and he goes to his desk and it's, it's flooded in pure white light. So now in his mech mode, Kusika, um hears Murakabi chuckle and do like bring it hands at him and they have a fight like mech versus like rocket bike. <laughs> and there's this moment where like as the episode ends, Kusika has him like set up for a rider kick as Murakami sends off missiles. And they love to end this episode on rider kicks and missiles, and they do it both at the same time. And it freezes, and then the actual last scene is Kiba sitting in his office with his hands steepled. <laughs> a lot of cool shit and weird shit, but mm-hmm. that brings us to 47, The King's Appearance. Oh my goodness. And what an episode this one is. I... I I knew that there it was going to be big because of how the 46 ended and then 47 came along and I was like, oh my. <laughs> I love the way that it starts with like, they can't afford to animate what they ended the episode on. So it's just a yeah. still image shaking. That was <laughs> reacting. Very funny. Yeah, it definitely is. And <laughs> We kind of open with it looking like uh, Kuska is going to get his shit rocked. Um, and then he does this really like well-timed jump and cannon attack <laughs> that um, allows... Uh, I have got to quit calling him Fleabag. Mahara to get, finally get his belt back so that all three of the heroes can... Uh, jump to Murakami who after all of these events has had to revert to his Orphanog form. Which is a great form. Oh yeah, it looks awesome. Yeah, it definitely is, yeah. But I really like that all three of them do the uh, exceed charge attack at one time. And really just, it's such a good moment with the graphics. They're all going after him. And you see him like really dazed and kind of looking drunken after they all hit him. I have a question. Yeah. What the fuck is up with the frame rate in this section? Is that intentional or? I don't know if it was because I had the same issue. Yeah, it it's almost like it slows down a little yes, bit. Yes. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. Almost like a like PS2 graphics or something. I don't think they could afford to CG the missiles and the kicks, so they like literally just show the frame they freezed on for gotcha. like episode 46 or like let's have people react as it's like a mm. still frame but they're like shaking it it's very funny no it's when like <laughs> the the prez transforms and like mihara's fighting him 
it's like in like fucking 15 fps it's it's weird it looks so weird what? and then it cuts back to takuro and it's like back to like 60 frames a second again and then it's just fine so like for whatever reason during the fight when all three of the the riders are there fighting him the frame rate drops so badly it looks weird it's almost like it overloaded or something yeah i did not notice this I'm going to just find this moment really quick. I did not notice this. Yeah, when it cuts back to Mari's face, the the frame rate is back just fine. Weird. Episode 47, the very start. It's like it's like they made a mistake during the fighting footage, like they they filmed it at the wrong frame rate and we're like, "Oh, well shit, we we filmed it. Like what do we do?" And they couldn't go back and and fix it. Yeah. Could they be using like an early action cam or is it like a normal shot besides all that? It's like a normal shot besides all that. Weird. It's like all the end of that fight is like in like 20 FPS. I didn't notice this when I was watching. Maybe I mean, you downloaded it, David, so you weren't even like streaming it. I I noticed it immediately and I'm like, what the hell? All right, let's just check this out. Let's see if I could find. Okay. Big kick opening. So after they have their mech moment they're fighting okay yeah yeah that's a different camera it's like at three minutes it's not like a showstopper by any means but it's definitely a difference like if you're really paying attention to the screen you're gonna catch that pretty well it's weird because it goes from that frame rate and then it like cuts to Kato's face which is very clearly way higher frame rate and i was like is that intentional like did they do that on purpose but i think it's just maybe they used a different camera and the settings were fucked up some kind of artistic integrity thing yeah so i didn't notice that for the fight scene because i've seen this fight scene a lot and there's like lots of fight scenes like this like but like actually noticing like the um like faces I think they filmed the fight scene in digital and the rest in film. Oh, that would make sense because they wanted to. I'm not sure if that that comes up in other fight scenes later or they're all in digital because it's hard because the last couple episodes are also just darker either way. So I wasn't sure if they were like, Mm. let's switch to digital in the end of this. Yeah, that's entirely (laughs) possible. The 90s were a weird time. No, they were just like, man, it's like 2004. We got new cameras. Let's use them now. The early 2000s were a weird time also. It bled over from the 90s. Yeah, they were recovering from 9-11. Of, <laughs> um, but no, uh, so... <laughs> I do like the triple rider kick, though. It's a very good seed, and, and they completely, like, annihilate this guy, but he leaves in flower petals. As is his way. So in the uh, mayhem, they find out that Taro has disappeared. Um, and when we see him... He ends up facing Murakami to where he transported to when he did his little flower petals thing. Um, and of course, our, our cute little creepy boy here reveals his uh, form of the king, which immediately makes Murakami into the world's biggest simp. It was really incredible to see. Yeah, big simping. That's true. <laughs> Next thing you know, he's uh, begging the king to... Uh, use him as a sacrifice because he'd be honored. And um, take it. Take my life. Oh, it's <laughs> intense. Yeah. His life gets taken, though. Yeah, yep. and then we we kind of switch over abruptly a little bit, I thought, to uh, the father looking on at the scene um, 
he takes Murakami's life and um Taro runs off after like he comes back to himself and realizes what's happened. Um and we get a pretty good scene, I thought, of the father walking up to uh Murakami's body that's like solidified at this point, like that um really solid flame way they'd pointed out before. So he kicks at him and um he goes off into Ash and you can see Murakami kind of thinking about what the King's power actually is right now. So my question is, why did the other guy stay completely solid and Murakami turned to dust? Yeah, I, I kind of wondered about that too. It was, it, it didn't seem to have any rhyme or reason to it. Right, Cause they made a point like, Oh, he's frozen solid. And it's like, okay, yeah, nothing can affect that. Yeah. And then he just wasn't. <laughs> I mean, he hit him hard enough? Maybe. Maybe just because it's a father, I'm not sure. I don't know. It's like one of those things where it's like he's frozen solid. But also <laughs> like whenever like sub zero in Mortal Kombat freezes somebody solid, they all he then kicks them apart. So maybe he's just like, huh. But after that, uh Kitaro Mari finally find Taru and um he actually looks pretty stoked to see them, which we finally in these next few episodes get to see him acting more like a child, like kind of being happy and showing emotions. And they take him home to rest and they're all kind of standing around him. And of course, creepy Kusaka shows up in a corner and is just like, Oh, this guy. all Orphanocks are the same. And da da da. And Takami is just staring at him, not really saying anything as usual, but just giving him the death glare. And I'm just going, or hates children, yeah. Yeah. Kusaka, can you just give it a rest just for five minutes? You're like the world's worst soap opera character. I don't even know what to do with this guy anymore. But anyway, um, he goes on long enough, so even Mari stands up and pretty much tells him to shut up and back off because she knows that Takumi's different. Yeah, and there's a lot of, like, he's different stuff that I think does fit into just the way people talked about minority groups at this time, which very much be like, mm. oh, yeah, he's different, not... He's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. a good one. <laughs> um, but we kind of get an abrupt scenery change there because then next thing we know, we've got a Mari and Takami are making laundry deliveries in the apartment building. And Takami gets like really weird when he sees <laughs> Kiba's door. Like he turns into a robot and just goes to stand in front of it and doesn't say a word, just stares at the door in this really Takami way. Um, not to talk about a like struck work, but when I was listening to somebody talking about the Obi Wan TV show like a year ago, they used the term "yaoi shakes." Ah, uh, yeah, I could see that. The fuck, the yaoi shakes. <laughs> it's it fits here. You got the yaoi shakes. <laughs> you feel what's missing. You see, but no. Um, sorry, Steph. No, it's perfectly fine. Uh. We switch back over to the smart brain building and uh, the Clovers are trying to confront Kiba, who's kind of just cock blocking them like he won't say a word. He just kind of smirks at them as they're trying to get him to explain what's going on and like making threats and this, that and the other till uh, the father finally has to step in. And uh, he kind of gives us finally the background of the king and says, you know, he only feeds on the Orphanox. They have to, whether they like it or not, they have to kind of band together with Kiba to make sure that they can 
save their race or they'll destroy all the monsters and um they're they're kind of like trying to make subtle threats toward Kiba and Kiba's just like you can't defeat me at this point so mm-hmm. go ahead and fuck off. Uh, it's actually a kind of informative scene because it lets us know what we I, mean, I think we kind of like were suspecting what was going on um with the monsters up to that point but it, that's where we finally get some kind of explanation about what everybody else is dealing with information wise. And now it's just kind of at, at this point, like everybody kind of learns this some way, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. The information starts to really spread. And and then we switch over back to the laundry gang and Kitaro, Kaido and Taro. <laughs> oh, my God. This saying they're playing rock, paper, scissors oh to decide God. who is going to be it when they play hide and seek. Yes. All of our reactions are completely valid. And also playing cards somehow. <laughs> yes. Um, because of the insanity of the next couple of scenes. But anyway, so um, Kitaro ends up being the one that has to count. So Kaido and Taro are going to go hide. And for whatever reason, Kaido decides that since he's the grand champion of hide hide and and seek, seek. he's going to. He does an Akira and he says, I was once crowned king of hide and seek. I love how he likes these games, too. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, he takes Taro into the bathroom with him, closes the door, sits down on the toilet, and puts Taro on his lap. There's nothing at all distressing about this. I don't know why everybody's so angry right now. And then says, don't worry, no one will find us in here. Yeah. Yeah. And then, weirdly enough, I actually kind of feel like um, his king form might be what's protecting him but Taro's monster <laughs> form mm-hmm. kind of tries start sneaking up from behind and he's about to go after Kaido but before it can do anything Mari walks in sees the student sitting on a toilet with a child in his lap and starts beating the shit out of him with the sandal as she should and calling him a pervert it's the funniest scene I've ever seen and like <laughs> It's just such a weird moment of like, hey, make sure you're building up how scary this king is. Okay. Also, let's have a moment where Mari beats the shit out of Kaido. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they did it in like slow motion in a couple of scenes too. That's what made it even better. Yeah, but he's kicked out once more. <laughs> yeah. A la DJ Jazzy Jeff with Fresh Friends. <laughs> so, <clears throat> Excuse me. Next thing we have uh, Kiba and the father are in an elevator and you can tell they're like going down to the lab area that's underground and Kiba's trying to kind of press the father on why he was chosen to be the president and what's going mm-hmm. on. And um, the father's like, look, you'll understand everything in time. I've got something to show you right now. Um, and he leads him through the lab and he shows him this belt that's in a like encased in this green slime. And he explains that the belts that came out before that we've seen our heroes fighting with were originally created to protect the king. But now they needed to reverse the power and he'd created six belts and wants Kiba to distribute those um, and kind of hints to the fact that he's nearing the end of his life and won't really be able to guide anything going forward. And like, he was very much like shocked by that. And he's like, what? But I guess I'll find six uses for these belts. 
Right. Yeah. It, it's kind of weird how quickly Keep is just like, eh, well, all right. <laughs> um, but then we kind of uh, switch again in one of my Takumi. favorite scenes. <laughs> it's so stupid. Takumi watch out, walks out to Casca to see if he knows what's going on with Kiba. And of course, the first thing Kuska is uh, being all dramatic, ranting about the Orphanox, about how they stick together. Da-da, like, he's saying nothing new whatsoever. And all of a sudden, he gets like this, uh, like, drill sound in his brain and, like, tossles over. And of course, Takumi, being the good guy he is, tries to help him up. And he's like, oh, don't touch me. It's fine. Whatever. Da-da-da-da. He makes a good point, though. Like, at the start, though, Kuska does where he's like, why would I know where Kiba is? You two are supposed to be best friends. He says it yep. like he thinks they're fucking. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, yeah. But then <laughs> um, also a great way to improve any scene and move the plot forward. Smart lady pulls up it's like, hey, guys. In all her glory. I love her to pieces. I swear she brings relief to any scene that's getting too serious. But she says the new president of Smart Brain wants to talk to the two of them. And of course, Serbo's confused the new president. Yeah, they're like, what do you what do you mean? New president? Uh, but she giggles and takes them in to his office. And also Mahara's there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, there's like white walls that get like purple floodlight. And like they just look like Planet Fitness where they're meant to be ominous, though. And then we get kind of um it doesn't really pay off till the end of the series, I don't think, but we get a, another scene between the two detectives, the older and the younger detective. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they're sitting at a food stand, and I, I'll be honest, until the um, end of the scene and the camera panned out, I did not realize they were outdoors. I thought they were literally just up against a window where it was, like, raining that hard. So I didn't catch that it was an outdoor food stand and they were just kind of covered by yeah. how the stand extended out because they're in a they're in an Odin stand. It looked really tasty and it made me hungry. Odin is good, but uh, the fact that they're in Tokyo immediately makes me go because Odin in Tokyo sucks ass. <laughs> good to know. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's one of those like things where it's like hyper regional too or yep. like man you want to go okay. if you want yeah. good odin you are not going in tokyo go to like kansai or like himeji or somewhere like that place has good odin what if you're going to like what is the like high quality thing like pizza in new york for like like what's in tokyo though for tokyo nothing <laughs> it's just a big city yeah kind of i mean like tokyo kind of has everything and it's all like generally pretty good, but like there's not something I like I go to Tokyo just for. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Anyway, unless you're going super high end, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of it. Like if you want really like ritzy fancy shit, then yeah. But that's about it. But no. Um It is wild how much that Kiba when then when they show that Kiba's the present, how how much he looks like Shogo. <laughs> it's fucking it wild. <laughs> and like it's great because like Takumi's reacting. He's like, "Oh no, my boyfriend!" Kuzika's like, <laughs> "Yeah." So whoa, I knew you were an orphanage and you were bad. And Mahara's like, "I don't really know this guy." Who's this guy? And I try to be polite. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I, like bows to him and stuff. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Okay. So, um, 
the younger detective is he's injured and he's kind of got his crutches off to his side and they're obviously drinking and he's um he's really anxious and the older detective wants to know why and he's like oh i just feel like a storm is coming and uh the older detective because he he's getting ready to retire he doesn't give a fuck he's just like you know what better things are coming if there's any kind of happiness he gives the younger guy so much shit i'm gonna protect it yeah exactly and she then looks i like guess his destroyed leg it is like huh a flesh loon not as bad as a broken heart yeah yeah it's really generic philosopher advice but i was here for it i thought it was sweet and he has the extremely <laughs> japanese solution to every problem which is drink your problems away mm-hmm. and then retire someday i get it and then retire yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then I think is like when Kiba meets with them that we like kind of skip to. But yeah, he's had a smart brain. And everyone's reacting. Yeah, he's he's kind of trying to convince them that the the Orphanot King is going to be their common enemy and he's going to need them to join him. And of course, Kuska being the distrusting guy, he is just like, fuck that smart brain is just as bad as whoever this king is. I hate all of you. I'm going to kill you and just runs off. Um, and Mara goes to chase after him and uh, Kiba <laughs> and Takami have a really really intense moment here where yeah. um, <laughs> Kiba's really trying to put him on the spot and he's just like what's your choice and Takami is like or are you trying to protect humans or are you trying to protect monsters and he's like well I gave up my humanity and Takami is like you're not the man I knew it's very <laughs> dramatic and soap operatic. Yeah. And they have a very tense stare down before we <laughs> go to the next scene where uh, Mahara is chase Casca to the elevator and he doesn't know why he won't hear Kiba out. And then all of a sudden he looks up and there's the father. So after promising... It's really great. <laughs> after promising Kuska he'd be by his side forever, he runs off and jumps into the elevator with the father. <laughs> so I want to go back a little bit to just like the way Takumi says to Kiba, wasn't your dream? Kiba's a orthodox to live in peace. And you right. to cry. And then he's like, how long until you open your eyes for the next five? <laughs> you, you beat me to it. <laughs> Keep it looks so hard. Yeah, because he heard the chorus going in his head and he couldn't do anything about it. Yeah. Oh, uh, but like I love how like um Mihara tries to say we should just hear what the president has to say. He's like, this is just some guy I don't really know. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh, goes like, you don't know a thing, just continue staying by my side. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah. <laughs> This character isn't really here, but you're here, Bahara, and all these scenes. You're important, right? <laughs> just, just shut up. And, like, I love how just you mentioned that, but there's Dad just in, in the elevator behind them. He doesn't notice. Goose doesn't notice. Bahara just kind of wanders in, and he's like in his face before his dad realizes he's there and the door closes. He's a pretty intense dude. Mm hmm. Oh. Uh, and I think there's more Takabi Akiba to go. <laughs> Beer. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, um Takumi and Kum- Kiba are kind of fighting over Takumi's desire to retain his humanity. And Kiba trying to tell him, like, look, dude, you're gonna have to let this go and just live as an orphanaka, or you're not gonna be able to survive this. 
um, we're kind of like having cross-sectional scenes going on here. Mm-hmm. So we abruptly really switch back again to the elevators and they get to the ground floor and Mahara is like, he's so jazzed when he walks off the elevator. He's like smiling and walks off. And then, oh, my dad. Yeah. And of course, Kuska like grabs him and throws him to the side and is just like, hey, what happened? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, our dad's still a really nice guy and he wants to see all of us. And Kuska, of course, is looking suspicious because that's his default state of mind. I do love how they commit to all of us being the four of us who are left because 19 of us have been killed. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. But we're not going to talk about them ever again. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. But um, they do a really sorry. Um, they do another abrupt like camera change and they switch over to the the father and he pulls his hand out of his pocket. and It's like doing that slow, like sand drippy thing. So we get our first hint that something's going on with him. Mm-hmm. Um, That's when we get even more. Because keep it like walks talking me out to his bike on this cold fall night. I I literally I literally have in my notes Kiba walks talking me to his motorcycle like the perfect gentleman that he is and Takumi asks Kiba if he'll see him again. Will I see you again? Like a proper date. Yeah. <laughs> they have a really great dynamic there. Like walking to his bike saying will I see you again is just man, I <laughs> like I like heard about the ship like having not watched the show in forever but watching it i was like oh man this ship is even more than i thought (laughs) this is very they're very together yeah pretty obvious about it yeah kiba says if you're abandoned in your humanity we'll meet as friends but he is a human and we'll meet his enemies and takami says he'll never abandon his humanity and then he rides away dramatically on his motorcycle and then more smart lady as she pulls up of kaido And what does Kaido say here, David? Kaido, <laughs> Kaido, Kaido gets out and he's like, he's like, where have you been? I'm looking all over for you. He's like, I'm so lonely. I love Kaido here. What is it? He's a smart lady, though. What does he say to smart? Why are you blue? <laughs> Why are you blue? <laughs> Which I think all of us have been asking this entire series. If I didn't have a reason to fall in love with Kaido before that did it, that before he jumped out of the car. And why are you blue? Yeah, he says, he says, he says, who the hell are you anyway? And why are you blue? Why are you blue? Yes. Good question. Always. Always. I mean, hey, like. And no one had asked it before. We're in episode 47, almost 48. And it's like, who the hell are you? Why are you here? Like, I don't. And why are you blue? Bitch, yeah. why? Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's just so excited to see Kiba, at least. <laughs> he's actually at his cutest kind of in this scene because he jumps right out and he's like, oh, I tried to get a hold of you. I missed you. What's going on? Da, 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 da. And Kiba, Kiba, of course, like takes advantage of this. He's like, hey, you want to work for me? This is the worst Kiba is when he's like, oh, yeah, I'll let you miss me. Yeah, yeah, that this part kind of broke my heart the most about Kiba's like personality transfer because I was just like, oh, but he, you know, this is a Kaido he always wished for. It's so to like to me, 
it's so weird to see like Kiba just do like this like weird fucking 180 all of a sudden from like from the way it's explained right it sounds like the the dad kind of is like laid laid out the entire plan to Kiba and Kiba's just like nah but like he doesn't he just goes like full on like just evil bastard yeah yeah it's hard because like in some way we see early Kiba doesn't always fit with Kiba in most of the show where he's like does just murder a bunch of people when he doesn't need to. Right. Mm-hmm. I think they could have done more with Kiba is somebody who like when he didn't stop his girlfriend's brother from murdering people when he like couldn't talk to him like he was a right. coward and that's why he goes to like caring about his own ability to live on than like the greater good. I think they don't really do the best job in this end stretch making that link though. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's the thing about Kiba's character is uh, among all of them, he had a lot of reasons to have turned evil. But it was just the fact that up to this point, he had resisted all of them so well, and it seemed like almost effortlessly, that for him to suddenly do this like really evil character change just really didn't feel natural with what had been developed up to this point. And I think that was one of the things that I was kind of missing um, with a set of episodes. Yeah, so it's not super clear why, but he hands a riot trooper belt to Kaido and says, yeah, yeah, I've chosen five others and work for me. Yeah, and I think that probably this is one of the most heartbreaking parts for me because you you see like Kaido's absolute devotion to him and he's just like, hell yeah, I'm happy to do this because I know that you're going to help me protect humanity. And I finally discovered that this is what I want to do. Like Kaido is showing some real character growth. And right at the point that uh, Kiba is showing real character regression. And it's, it's a really interesting scene because of that, because Kiba doesn't correct Kaido at all. He just kind of like does this little smirk and lets Kaido be super excited that he's going to be a superhero now. Yes, I'm on fire. All right. I'm going to be a hero. Right. Yeah. And to me, that was like, not only was it heartbreaking, but it was a really great, like, scene illustration of how far Kiba had gone because Kaido had always been the person that he protected over everybody else. Right. He lets him just think whatever he wants. He's like, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. And it, ugh, so fucking impactful. I love it. Um, but anyway, yeah, then we do another kind of abrupt scene shift because then we've got a most abrupt set of scene shifts between this and the next episode. But yeah, yep. there's a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, through the next few. Yeah. But yeah, uh, Takami and Mari are making deliveries with Takami mm-hmm. driving and Taro's in the back. And Mari is like, Takami, what's going on with you? Like, you've been kind of quiet. Like, what's happening? And he's like, no, I'm fine. Whatever. But the van suddenly gets attacked um, and Takami, <laughs> like, in a way that we haven't seen before, is angry. Like, he is again. fucking pissed. Uh, yeah, so he jumps out of the car. Of course he's angry, man. Just trying to go home. Yeah, yeah, that's probably exactly what it is. But Takami, like, you don't you haven't seen a whole lot of emotion from him up to this point. So to see him like jump out and be like, I, I'm gonna kill you guys for interrupting my night right now is crazy. I love how Kitazaki like says you're finally here, implying that they were just waiting at this underpass specifically. 
Kurosaki is just such a funny character all the way around, but yeah, I absolutely loved that. Um, But yeah, of course, he jumps up because he's ready to fight, but then Mari automatically grabs Taru. Like, this has become second nature for her. Um, But, like, as we're starting to get into the fight scene, then all of a sudden, Kiba shows up. And... (laughs) With... With... with uh, with Kaido and his Blues Brothers ass, <laughs> Blues Brothers ass crew there, <laughs> the the six people that he gave those belts to, looking like the Blues Brothers. They didn't need to show up in black suits and fedoras, but they did anyway. But they did, yeah, yeah, yeah. They they gave us that gift, and uh, we're gonna just have to be grateful for it. I'm glad that Goragon didn't take this from us and do it badly. <laughs> It's the little things, right? It's little things. <laughs> and like as they transform, Kaido's like henshin, he's like, let's go. And once again, more running water is Kiba's by this pipe that's like super like weird running water, like spewing out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um they're all kind of getting into their battles, and then Kaido, uh, I'm not sure, I can't remember what it was that drew his attention, but he realizes that a soldier has broken off and is chasing Mari and Taru. Um, and this pisses him off, and he's like, Why is this happening? Well, he runs up to Kiba and it starts like hitting at him, like, hey, call it off. You need to back off. What's happening here? And Kiba like bitch slaps him. In a way that, uh, yeah. I mean, he gets slapped around a lot, but he really got it from keeping this scene. That fight, though, Steph, is actually, like, cutting into 48 Masato dying a glorious death. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was kind of the hard part, because I wasn't sure exactly where to, like, cut my notes off, because they all blend into each other when we're at this point in the series. So. This last, like, five episodes feel like it could just be, like, one long, like... One really long one, yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, but let's finish this fight scene, then we'll hand off to David's episode. Because uh, it's just like a 12-person brawl at this point. Yep. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Um, Maharo and Kusika show up and save Taro. <laughs> and that's really it. Like, it's just like, it's like, and the OP happens. It's just a big old, big old rumble under the bridge. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. Because we actually this fight has a really unsatisfying conclusion. Okay. I just because remember. it doesn't end. It just like <laughs> the theme song plays, and then all of a sudden Masato's in like a fucking underground tunnel. Exactly. I was like, why did my notes cut off so abruptly? Yep, you just reminded me. That's why. <laughs> because the fight cuts off abruptly. It's really funny though. Because like the scene after like Kusuga, his Takumi is like, well, now that I know you're serious, Kiba. <laughs> Yeah, true. <laughs> yes, you but no, uh, and give me back my ring, you bitch. Speaking of rings, what's going on uh, with uh, Kuzuka's head, though, uh, David? Um, with Kuzuka's head specifically. I mean, we don't we don't find that out <laughs> later until later. But no like, complaints so far. Um, he's ringing pain. Yeah, he's like ringing in pain. He's grabbing his head and he's like like dying. And he passes out in the in the underground walkway. And then uh, Dedu shows up, and he's like, hey. Oh, he doesn't say anything. He just shows up, and he's like, stands over his body menacingly, and you're like, uh-oh. I was looking <laughs> for a place to pee, so. Um, <laughs> Thank you for providing it. Which cuts to a scene of um, Takumi and Kiba on the phone to each other, 
And he's like, oh, yeah, now I know you're... It's, it's so dramatic, too. It it looks like something from a soap opera. This autumnal park bench with, like, golden leaves around it. Yeah, he's just like, now <laughs> I know you're lighting. serious. The Kiba I once knew is gone. <laughs> he's like, and he's like, I that's, what I think, that's what I think of you now. And then he was like, I don't have anything to say to people like you. And he hangs up the phone. It's like... And I didn't listen to that song you sent yeah. me from Spotify either. How do you even have a cassette player? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Cut to Kusuga in the underground uh, smart brain lab. Peculiar medicine lab? Yeah, uh, yeah, where he's like literally in the bed where he was dead before. <laughs> and he acts like he hasn't really seen this place. He's like, oh, where am I? It's like, I'm pretty sure you would fucking remember this if you escaped the lab while you were, like, being regenerated with the Orphanog genome. Well, didn't he go down there pretty recently, too? Like, in one of our recent episodes? Wasn't he down there? I don't know if this is the same place. Oh, gotcha. I just remember thinking, why are you acting like we didn't just see you here? What is happening? I don't know if it's the same place or not, because maybe Mari was in that place, that lab. That would make sense. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, they keep having these like uh, brick laden, dark dungeon like atmospheres. It's, it gets tough to tell them apart. Yeah, it does. But it, like his dad's like, it's been too long. His dad feels like he's trying to have a hallmark moment. But Kuska being the big dick he is, is just like, I don't trust you. <laughs> Fuck you guys. Sorry, I abducted you again, son. <laughs> and Kuska just is not having any of it. Can't spell abduct without dad. <laughs> I think. It's I never true. went to school. <laughs> the logic is solid, honestly. But uh, it, it cuts late, like immediately after to Mihara, Rina, and Madi all talking about their dad, and she's like, did you really meet dad? And he's like, yeah, he promised to see us all very soon. I'm like, that's not ominous at all. No. He hasn't changed Ugh. one bit. He's the nicest man we've ever met. How would we rate these three as a blunt rotation? Oh, this is fucking awful. Like, I, w- I would leave the circle. I should be like... I would sell them cilantro. I'd be like, getting high is not worth this. <laughs> not at all. I feel like a, if she's like five years older, Mari wouldn't be bad in most bro- rotations. She's fine. She, she's neutral. But like, I would never smoke weed with Mihara unless I'm having a bad day. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. Mihara would always just talk about his like his his fucking part time job and be like, man, I, I worked like so hard at my part time job yesterday, wrangling kids at the orphanage. It's like, dude, Mihara, shut the fuck up. I work there, too. I was there. And you know what else he would do? When his high started to come down, he'd be the one that suddenly felt really fucking guilty about getting high in the first place. So he'd ruin everybody else's buzz talking about, oh man, I shouldn't have done that. Like, if my parents find out, I'm going to be in so much trouble. Even though he's 24. Yeah, we're breaking the law, guys. Like, the founding fathers wouldn't want this. We really shouldn't do this. (laughs) Is this where Mari, like, Flashes back to being on a swing set yeah. and her dad being nice to her. She flashes yeah. back to a swing set and like she like falls off the swing set and her dad just walks up and he's like, Yes, yes, she'll be okay. Don't worry. Like you it's like what like how much damage could she have had going off of a swing set? Like, did she jump off or did she fall off? Like, what's going on? She's just kind of just on the ground. 
enough that her smile lights up the planet. Oh, uh, but she says my dad was a good man because he helped me off swing sets. <laughs> he was nice to me. Good father, man, with his weird hat he always wore. <laughs> but next scene is more Kusika asking about why'd you make the Rusei school? Yeah, he's like, why'd you make the Rusei school? And his dad is like, I adopted you all and created the academy in order to find the Orphanot King. And it's like, oh, okay. Like, was there a prophecy we missed? <laughs> yeah, kind of, right? That was the worst thing he could have said to Kusuga at that point, too. Like, that is the absolute worst excuse he could have come up with. But then he goes, I never intended for you to all die. So it's like, what did you intend then? Because clearly you knew that when the Orphanot King came back, he was going to fucking eat Orphanox, right? So it's like... Yeah. He didn't mean to kill them and make them into Orphanox. That was somebody else. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, thanks, Dad. And he goes, I sent you all the belts and entrusted you with this cruel fate. I gambled it all on the strength and kindness you developed throughout your difficult childhood. So, like, basically, he's like, oh, I was, you know, making child soldiers from them when the Orphanot King yes. came back. It's like, why aren't you more happy about this? <laughs> yeah, it's like, what do you what do you mean? It's like, yeah, you turned me into a, basically a child soldier to fight your fucking demon god. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. And then it gets worse. Because then he essentially tells him, oh, by the way, you can't transform anymore. Oh, yeah. He's like, you, you're going to die. He's like, oh, yeah, the, the pain in your head or whatever. He's like, that's from transforming too much. You're going to die. Because, like, he got the, like, genomes to be an orphan to, to an extent. Right. But they're being worn out. He's going to, like, dust. And, like, here, right. soon he sees his hands start to dust, too, I think. Yep. And he's like, uh-oh. Yeah, he says, during Smart Brain's experiment, the Orphanoc genome was injected into your body. The reason you were able to withstand the Kaija belt is because due to your body adapting to the genome to a certain extent. So he's kind of like, that's that's where I was like, okay, well, how come he can wear it and, like, he's not an Orphanoc? So, like, that makes sense. Get why she can't, because she went through the exact same thing. Twice, possibly. Yeah, and I kind of, I kind of expected that at some point she would, just because of the simple fact that so many of the other people in the class were obsessed with her. So I just assumed she was going to end up being some kind of hero in the end, but that's not what we get, and we never really know why. You're right. Well, multiple people die using the Kaiser belt from like the school in the beginning, so I think it's kind of like Sawada got turned into an orphanoc. Kusika got enough DNA to be a writer and everybody else didn't. <laughs> you know? Maybe that's it. Maybe. Yeah, and maybe they just didn't even want to deal with her risking it. Well, like, she can't become Fies, which is the safest belt to try. <laughs> right. He can, though. So, like, he's enough. Like, he's, like, he's passing the filter. <laughs> I don't know. That makes sense. Um, And then that's when Kaido's with Kiba. Yes, Kaido's with Kiba. And he's like, he's like, what are you? He's like, what are you trying to pull? He's like, why are you going after the kid? And he's like, and why'd you punch me? That was this mean. <laughs> Look at my face. It's moneymaker. Yeah, he's like, didn't you say we're gonna protect humans? Wasn't that what you believed in? He's like, oh, what I believed in. And he's like, you made fun of me. Yeah, he's like, you made fun of me because I wanted to protect humans. And then Kaido's like, 
you know, uh, well, actually, I wanted to, he's like, I kind of admired you. I wanted to be like you. And he's like, the truth is, uh, yeah, he's like, the truth is I wanted to be just like, <laughs> like that. He's like, ah, you piece of crap. And he fucking punches Keem in the face. <laughs> he's like, two of us are done. And he's them. like, take your stupid belt, too. She does say, I'll carry that dream forward for you now, though, which is like a cool line. And then he, he finds Bahara. <laughs> For a, a more cursed blood rotation. Oh God! He's <laughs> like, "Yo, I need some muscle." <laughs> really started to use Bahara as just he's a character there to be a writer in the background. Yes, very much so. Is this Kiba sees the, the father dad? starting? Yeah, he sees him starting to disintegrate. I think it's his hand again, and the father kind of pulls him off to the side and starts to try and explain this whole thing with why he's the president and what's going on with the um, or if we're not king and everything. And like the makeup they have for the dad is very good. He does look like very wasting away and old mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. And then like, that's when like Bari and Rena are looking forward to meeting the dad and like, all this stuff because like Mahara calls him and is like, sorry, I won't be there today. Because he has better things to do. Right. Um, and then it cuts to the uh the dad in the in the lab still, and he you know, he like looks at his hand and it's like slowly turning black, and that's when Kiba shows up and he's like he's like, Oh, do you know why I made you the president? He's like, Oh, I made you the president uh because you have the will to like sacrifice yourself for humanity. Yeah, and of course, then we get more creepy Kusika standing in the corner listening to all this. Right. And he explains, like, Orphanox are, like, the next step in evolution, but because they're evolving so rapidly, their, like, lifespan is, like, exponentially reduced. So all the Orphanox are going to die. Which is such a weird, it's such an interesting way to do it, which is why, like I said, maybe the king's some weird, like, alien or some stuff that made them. But no, it's probably just that. That's what happened. It's just a, a fun flaw to be like, mm. oh, like we are evolving to die. That's terrible. Yeah. Um. I but then one of my favorite moments is seeing Kaido and Mahara uh, teaming up together to go after the uh, the <laughs> Blues Brothers belts. They're just they're hilarious together because one's such a straight shooter and the other one's such a wild card. Like I I love this chemistry. I mean, I love how they're just walk. They're both transformed. They run into this parking lot. They get jumped. Mahara immediately gets beat up. But just some dude with a belt. Like, it's not even like yeah. a special, like, Orphanoc dude or like a special belt. It's just like some jobber guy. Mm hmm. And then Kaido's just like fighting six guys by himself, like, where's Takubi? Call Takubi. <laughs> Um, and like at the same time, I think it's like where Rita and Mahara are like, where's our dad? And then also where like Kusuga stops him on the bridge. Yeah. So, uh, Re- uh, Marty and Rina are waiting in like, I don't know, like some Yokama stadium or something. Right. And they're like, where's dad? And then Mihara stops uh, Hanagata and he's like, oh, he's like, y- you got no right to do what you do. And. He's like, I'm going to beat you up because you're an orphan. And he's like, ah, I told you before, you transform, you're going to fucking die. And he's like, it doesn't even matter anyway, because I'm going to die. And then he just, he's like, there's no need to fight me. And then he just dusts. 
in the middle of the street. It's incredible. It's a really good scene. Yeah. And the good thing that nobody had to tell them that Kuzika like like just like left them without seeing their dad last time because he was an asshole. Mm. So now his mom and dad are dead. He truly mm. is an orphan. Mommy is shoes. Mm. Daddy is dust. <laughs> I don't know where he gets the knock from the orphan. He got orphaned twice. Ooh, orphaned twice. There you go. Damn. Um, <laughs> it's all coming together. It's it's weird because like <laughs> I think it's like more weird because it feels like Kusika's angry he didn't get the satisfaction of killing his dad because like he came there he's like I'm gonna it? stop you and and fucking kill you and then his dad dies anywhere and he's like no dad why it's like huh what, like you were you were literally going to fucking kill him like what do you what's your problem no papa he did that satisfaction <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I don't... Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, but that almost makes it seem like if he did have the opportunity to kill him, he'd feel guilty about it. So, mm. kind of seems like he did himself a favor. Mm-hmm. And also, one of my favorite tropes when somebody is like, actually, I'm choosing to die now for effects. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But no, um, here I think is where um, also, like, Kato gets a call from like Kusika as he's playing soccer and like it's like oh Kusika's gonna come kill this kid. Yep. He's like oh where's where's he right now? He's like oh we're just playing soccer at the stadium. He's like perfect. <laughs> Excellent. No one ever is at stadiums. It'll definitely look perfectly normal for me to kill him in the middle of a park. That's yes, fine. Exactly. <laughs> just <laughs> kill a child playing soccer like oh it was for the fate of humanity. He shouldn't have gone off sides, a little fucker. Gone off sides, wow. <laughs> um, so Mari and Rita are waiting for their dad, and the Rita says, I'll find him. The Mari's like, I'm just gonna wait here alone. I yep. hope I don't get chloroforms. Yep. Oh yeah, right. I forgot that happened. Kiba shows up and just chloroforms her. Um that's when he calls Kusika at the train crossing. Right. It it's almost like he knows that's the one thing that's gonna make Kusika lose his fucking mind. So we cut back to um, Kaido and Mihara fighting all the 12 goons now. Now they're just fighting like every single, like, I don't, what are they called? Like fake riders, like rider troopers or something. Mm. They're called the riot troopers. Nah. Which is a cool ass name. <laughs> so worth noting, they first show up in the movie. Oh, really? In the original Kamen Rider, there was like a bunch of like other riders that look like them. But this is on um, the riot troopers are the first like trooper or mass produced writer mm. that's like there's hundreds of them or whatever they get used a lot in like other writer media because of that mm-hmm. so Kusuga gets basically baited out to the the beach where Kiba is and he's like oh you know he remembers his dad's words he's like oh you continue to transform you're gonna die and like uh, not Kaido um what the hell's his name? Kuzuka is in like a bad position because it's like four on one, basically. Mm-hmm. And like, he's not going to win, but he's like, oh, I'm going to fight anyway. This is going to be the last time I'm able to transform. Fuck it. I'll fight three people. And he right. just he just gets his ass beat so <laughs> bad. 
<laughs> I love how he pulls up and like he sounds like a drug sailor. He's like, he's just like all fucked up. Uh, and like, mm-hmm. I love in this kind of fiction when somebody has a limit on how much they could transform, like old like Green Ranger stuff. It's like, I'm going to die. Well, I'm going to do it anyway. Right. I like that too. And I felt like for uh, Kuska, that was perfect. Like if if he had a a choice of how he was going to go out, I feel like that would have been exactly how he chose to go. Like fighting right. an impossible fight against way more people than he should have been, but just doing it because he thought it was the right thing to do. Like that was perfect for his character. There's this great moment where like his hand dusts, so he drops his sword in the middle of the fight. Yes. A lot of good detail in that fight. Um, quick tangent, but on the other fight, Takumi shows up and there's this dark building where you can see that the troopers do look just like him as he has his like glowing sword, mm. but he axle forms the shit out of them. Oh yeah. He kills. Uh, he, he has the axle form with the sword and he just kills all of them in like one hit. It's like, why are you just using that all the time? I don't. Right. True. It doesn't seem like it costs you anything to do. Probably doesn't generate as much XP as like I, maybe I don't know. <laughs> That's it. But uh, we cut back to Kuska, and he gets hit so hard the belt comes off, which seems to happen a lot. And he's he's basically he's done. Like he's he's dying. He's on his last legs. His hands are turning black. Like uh, uh what's his name? Hanagata's, and he's like crawling away. Right? Like he's 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 basically dead. He's crawling away. He's done. And mm. then a gloved hand reaches down and grabs the belt. And and then Mari's coming out yelling, but he can't yell back. He's too he's weak. He's too weak. And then someone wearing the Kaija belt finds him and snaps his fucking neck. Oh, yeah. This was the scene I mentioned the other night, David, of a fan favorite moment. <laughs> it's such an intense scene. I like I did not see that kind of like just this fucking brutal gruesome death where it's not even like he goes out fighting like he's like down and out and defenseless and they just pick him up and he snaps mm-hmm. his neck. He's killed by his own power. Yeah. I mean, hey, that's hubris, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. They absolutely take away everything that his character would have hoped for in that death and Ugh, it's it's intense, especially because it's such a close up shot. And then you get the reveal of the the guy who's wearing the suit takes it off, and it's Kiba, and he's just standing over Kuzuka's dead body, like smiling, like ah, ha, 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 I yeah. killed him. Ugh, it's intense. To be fair, I think Kuzuka's yes. kind <laughs> of a fucking asshole, so Kiba's probably like a little bit a little bit satisfied, like. Oh, finally, he's fucking dead. I never have to hear him talk or just do his stupid spiel about Orphanox again. And how many times did he, like, fuck up things between him and uh, Takumi, yeah. who was his true love? So, yeah, he was happy to kill that dude. Could have happened to a nice person. People love this death. People are like, yeah, finally somebody killed this guy. I get it. <laughs> I had that moment for a moment, even if I was just like, Kiba, bad. But I get it. One time I was like on a forum and somebody posted like this video that was like 
new gordita crunch at Taco Bell, and then it cut right to his next <laughs> day. Damn, was Jesus. <laughs> the internet is cruel. Because they showed like the like shell crunching and like the crunch. That yeah, right. Out. Yeah. Yeah. And he's dropped just dead eyed and we see him dead eyed on this piece of like limestone by these like big whatever they're called like the cement like jacks that stop boats. Uh, Yeah, they're like to they're like to stop waves. The jetties. Okay. Wave breakers. Yeah, wave breakers. That's what they are. And he just turns to dust. This is I mean, this is episode 49 now, but he just turns to dust. And we said that he was a like broken record of how much he hated Orphanon. But now that he's dust, he actually get turned into a working record. So that's nice. <laughs> anyway. God damn it. What is okay, what is the significance of the fucking light bulb in the ocean? <laughs> I didn't know either. I, I really thought I missed something. They love their water metaphors, like the ocean here, like so much water, so much water noise, and they're bringing it up a ton in these last five episodes, and I think that it's just like, oh yeah, the ocean, it's gonna take your life for all this stuff. But also, it's like, at the start of the next episode, there's a burnt-out light bulb in the foam as it turns to show that it's burnt out. And it's just like, okay, yeah, because he burnt out his body. It's... Oh, uh, okay. It's just a heavy-handed okay, metaphor. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Extremely heavy-handed. Gotcha. Okay. Like, it's not even like we've seen him be, like, related to light bulbs before. It's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what I was struggling with. I was like, what did I miss? At first, I thought it was like, oh, do they just find a light bulb and film it? Because they love to show people falling down and shoot random people walking. It wouldn't be the most surprising thing. So we're now in 49, Assigned Destruction. Takumi and Bahara show up, and Takumi's like, oh... It must be this pile of dust with a picture of Mari as a child. It must be him. Of course. Mm-hmm. The way Takumi grabs this dust and like Mahara screams like, okay, Mahara, I get. Takumi, I'm like, did you really care? <laughs> did you really like this guy that much? It doesn't seem like he should, huh? And like the OP comes in, but it's very funny how it comes in. Like he's like, dun, dun, <laughs> as they're screaming. All I could think of was Takumi needs to cut his nails. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I've noticed that a lot in Tokusatsu where like just is it just a like thing to have big untrimmed nails? I, in Japan? I yeah, I think I think so at the time. I think that was a thing. It it's fucking okay. weird. No, uh, I just feel like I don't use my nails that much where you can like open cans and turn screws with them like that. Mm. That's just me. Um <laughs> but anyway, um Mahara and, and like Rita meet at a bridge. She says Kuska's dead, and he's like, "Yeah, we think he was killed by an orphan." Yes, you think? How else did he turn into dust? It was just like a bus hit him. He turned to dust. Uh, but anyway, and he says, "Don't tell Mari; she'd be sad." And then he like thinks to himself, "Kuska, your soul lives on with me. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, your strength as well." Shut up. Um, and then the next scene is at Smartbird HQ. Kiba is talking with. Takumi, and he's surprised Kuska's dead. And then Takumi's like, you wouldn't know anything about that, which... And Kiba's like, yeah, I killed him. Like, yeah, I killed him. Yeah, he just straight up says, he's like, yeah, I killed him. Takumi tries to punch him, but Kiba catches it, and then Kaido comes up and is like, don't bother. He's not human anymore, so it won't affect him. When Takumi asks why, he seems to care about Kuska's life here. Um, 
more than I would think. That's what Kiba says. He despised all Orthodox. He's trying to kill the king. And that's when Kaido's like, but you tried to kill the king yourself. And then Kiba says, yeah, until I learned the fate of the Orthodox. And then he tells them basically that they will perish. And the Kaido's like, okay, let's protect the king then. And that's when Kiba's like, that'll mean the end of humanity. Only Orthodox will remain on the earth. And Psycho shoots this too. Um, she's in the background a lot. Yeah, yeah. She's always, she's always just hanging out. Mm-hmm. Time to get to the cleaners. As Kato says, Goose is probably fine. And Mario's like, I guess. But I have a bad feeling. And then Kato was like, also, it's the 100th anniversary of this store. Let's have a party. Yeah. <laughs> Kato really just got reduced to like being like, he, he has like three lines like, let's have a party. I don't know what's going on. Takumi, get over here quick. And that's it. Like, re- like, real, like, that's seriously what he's been reduced to. Um, my brain is intrusive because when you said Takumi, get over here quick, I added uh, another line. <laughs> and I'm not going to say that. If you are dumb like me, you know what it was. Um, but anyway, yes, he is. He had his arc. Mm-hmm. He had. Is arc now he's here, but no. Um, we have Takumi come in. He's asked Bakusaka, just lies and like sits down to ponder his ash hand. <laughs> um, it's so dramatic. We have so many like soap opera moments in these last couple episodes. Yeah, this is a show that uh deeply cares about people being very upset. I guess then, um. We cut to the bar clover as Takuma's freaking out. As per usual. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry if my cat is just very loud. <laughs> um, it, I wasn't going to say anything just in case I had to be called as a witness later or something. But yeah. So, so Kiba is like explaining them like, oh, you know, if, if we wake up the king, we're going to get saved, blah, 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 blah. You know, he's like explaining to the, the other four of them and the thing is that, uh, what's her name? Sayako knows, like, actually what's going on because she's, like, eavesdropping mm-hmm. and stuff. So she's, like, just kind of playing along, like, Ugh. and just, like, murdered some ice of a pick. Yep. And <laughs> not Mihara. What's his name? Um, Kizaki. Kizaki's like, I'm the strongest in the world. He's like, I can fight the Orphanot King. Like, that guy's a pussy. Whatever. I'll fight him. <laughs> He's like, I'm the strongest. He's like, let's play a new game. If, if, you know, if, I killed the Orphanot King. That means I'm the new king, right? <laughs> yeah. I like how he thinks he can just decide that. Um, the next scene, though, is the most straight from just a soap opera of the whole show, though. We get this overhead shot of this pasta dinner, and there's like, like some salads, too. <laughs> and the talking is like, Mari, why are you putting out a Haley spot for Kuzika? And then, like, she says, like, oh, well, for when he comes back, of course, then he says, what are you doing? He's dead. <laughs> and he goes running off. She drops her bowl of salad. Kate says, it's not true. Takumi screams, he's dead. And Norfolk punches the table. And Norfolk, just like me, is here. Look at Kusika's blood. And he shows the camera his like, hand and like puts in Mari's face his dusty hand that he didn't oh, wash. Sam. Yeah, he's like, look. Here he is. It's his blood. You hate Orthodox, right? Everyone else should be killed, including me. 
And that's when like Mari falls to the floor of the kitchen with leaves everywhere or let it everywhere. It's a lot. Later on, Takumi is at a bridge. And that's when Mari comes up to him and hugs him as she cries. He says, sorry, I'm so sorry. And then she's like, will you go somewhere with me tomorrow? And he says, yeah. It's where me and Kusika first met. And she wants to go there to remember him. I feel like people did not like this guy, except for like Mari. Mm-hmm. Mari kind of likes everyone. And he started to get on Mari's nerves the last couple episodes, too. I'm just saying, I probably wouldn't have expected Takumi to care too much about Kusika dying. I wouldn't have inconvenienced myself to go to a memorial for him. I'll say that much. <laughs> yeah. We cut back to the bar, though, and there's this loud fish tank. It's, it wants to see the water and know that water is fate. And is it river that you get lost in, or is it a fish tank? Is it the rain? Who knows? <laughs> uh, but Takuma says, what will we do if he kills the king? That'll be the death of us. And that's what Psycho's like. I won't die. So you drink some red wine. And then where they go is... Because Rusei Academy is underground, they just right. go to this gate that's really windy and dusty mm-hmm. that says Rusei Academy has a field behind it. Yeah, so um, the <laughs> I believe, maybe I'm incorrect here, but the are you talking about when they go to the the place where the school should have been and it was like demolished? Yes. Ah, okay. I'm thinking of a later scene where someone pulls up on like that fucking bunker in the middle of nowhere. No, that's great too, but um. So they like are at this big field. It's like the cleaners. It's Taro. It's Bahara. It's Rin. Um, and they're talking and there's a massacre flashback and they're like, oh, memories of Kusika. And then the wind stops and the clovers are here and they're getting blown by the wind, trying to look cool and menacing and Kitazaki showing some nip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he says, let's the game begin. And then he runs forward to fight. What is with the mirror that they placed immediately behind them to give like the brightest fucking like lens flare I've ever seen? It's headache inducing. Have you ever seen Mad Max? <laughs> I have. There you go. That's it. Okay, fair enough. Uh, but the writers head shin, and then they fight as the two clovers nod, and they're like, "Oh, are they going to go pursue the other riders?" But no, he's like, he's beating us to the warehouse. He's hit behind by them. Who like we want the king to come to power, and they're projected onto these like dirty sheets from behind, and they do this thing where one of the sheets is like slightly sideways, so, so they can like not show Psycho's like tits mm-hmm. on screen. It's like <laughs> yeah, and then like he goes super speed, beats them up, and then like grabs both riders until like Bahar shoots him in the eyes, which is a cool move. Yeah, he's just, like he's like choking them out, and Mihara's like, oh wait, I have a gun. Yeah. And they like double rider kick him, but he's so mad that he like destroys the shapes they make and like tosses off the flames they do. Yeah, he's just like absolutely ass shattering fucking mad. But he is hurt though as he runs away, falls human on the road. Then Takuba jumps out, his like shadows over him as he's on the ground. Starts to whip him. He's like, you don't look so strong now. I've waited so long for this. <laughs> it's a really um, exciting scene if you're a certain type of person. <laughs> yeah. Takuma's just such a fucking, like, he's like the scummiest scumbag because he's like just a coward. The worst, yeah. 
And then Mari sees, hey, where's Taro? We keep losing this guy. We, we, we left him. We left Taro. I forgot. He's a five-year-old child and can't run. He's probably just like playing pranks on the wet bandits again. Yeah. <laughs> of course. But um, he emerges from the fields to where the whipping is and his shadow becomes corporeal for the first time. And we see the king. He's a grasshopper. He's kind of inspired by the original cover a little bit with the scarf and stuff. He looks pretty neat. It's a pretty all right design. Takuma is shook and Kizaki tries to run, but he's followed by the king into this field. And then there's this laser that cuts like the tops of the field off and then gets Kizaki, turns him into a statue. The king walks up, rips his face off and eats it and then opens his mouth real big and keeps on eating him. I forgot how graphic it was. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Takuma is running away screaming he's like oh no this is the worst thing why do scarier people keep showing up <laughs> it's his nightmare honestly yeah and Takumi arrives it's like oh you're the king taro then keep just in the field across from me yeah yes he's the king i'm <laughs> in the field too and then taro comes human gets grabbed by mari and katero and the keeper's like, you didn't know, but you were protecting the king this entire time. No! I wonder if you have it to kill the boy. And then even if you eat the king, you'll die soon after. It's best you live as an orthodox. Then, great scene. Um, what does Takuma do? <laughs> he, like, runs and falls down a hill. Like, down, like, the berm. Screaming. Psycho pops out to laugh at him. And he's like rips up grass and runs away. She's like, oh, you silly boy. <laughs> That's when Kaido is eating with Takumi and they're like in this rundown restaurant eating toasts and like hard boiled eggs. And he's like, I'll kill Ordok King if I have to die. It's for the sake of humanity. I'll be a real hero. Of course. And then it's just like such a weird restaurant. It's like Dragon Ball music's playing. There's like a bunch of stuff going on. Uh, but then we cut again to the park where everyone's grilling. They're like, 100th anniversary of the drag leader. And Kaido has a toast. But he's like, man, your place is a weird name. Haha. <laughs> Time to party. We need it right now. Because like, he says like, Kikuchi Cleaning. What a dumb name, I think. <laughs> yeah, he's like, what a, what a, that's what he says. He's like, oh, you've been around for 100 years. What a dumb name. <laughs> And like he drops a beer on the grill as once again Taru's gone. He just like stops playing and he just disappears. <laughs> that kid disappears quick. Like you never know what's about to happen with him. And then as they're all looking for him, we see this just like old guy cleaning his truck that's apparently like an orthodox. And he like the king steps through Taro, kills the guy as Takumi's watching. And then he transforms and runs towards like Taro. Like, I'm gonna have to kill this kid. He stopped by Kaido, and they ask, well, "What the hell are you doing?" Then like he knocks him off. Says, "I have to do this." Runs forward, punch Taro, but he can't. And then he's blocked by Kiba, and Kiba gets real like real. We like to kiss close and transforms. Yeah, it's a really intimate scene. And he's like, "You can't do it, you please." Takumi's like, "Move." have to kill him. Then he beats Takumi. <laughs> a lot of sexual tension. 
and Takumi sees his hand is turning to dust and some falls on the phone. And then he runs away before the preview says, open your eyes for the final fives. I got goosebumps. No, episode 50, my dream. Uh, Takumi wanders and falls into Kiba's chest, but Kiba does not hold him up. He lets him fall down more. Uh, then he's being stretchered into the hospital at Smart Brain, where Kiba says, oh, well, you can experiment on him. I, I want to know why the Orphanark body deteriorates, which is not in character for Kiba. No, not at all. Yeah, it's... Yeah, that was next level. He's just an evil bastard now. Yeah, he's very mm-hmm. evil. But Kaido's got a bike cam looking for terror. And this is where he comes to a small cement shack near like a smart brain billboard and sees there's a door open. I was like, oh, what's this? And he goes underground, finds the billboard. <laughs> the billboard actually says like new, new smart brain tower or whatever. Okay. So it's like a construction thing. Well, <laughs> the shack goes down to like a water treatment area i'm guessing yeah so this is a this is a public place you can actually visit is the tokyo uh metropolitan like flood like emergency thing so like if tokyo floods they they open up all the gates and it'll drain tokyo into this area okay oh wow i'm seeing it now the metropolitan area outer underground discharge channel yeah that's what it is it's cool as hell uh it looks really cool in here. <laughs> and like he sees Taro's like after all these massive like cement pillars, he sees like Taro suspended over this big just like tank and just like there's like golden tentacles coming out of him. And then like Kiba's there like on some stairs being like, well, you can't kill him. And then he's the Orphan King. That's when Kaido like leaves after asking like where Takumi is finding out he's at the hospital and then uh, Kaido tells everyone at the cleaners big trouble at the hospital we have to go save him big trouble in little hospital <laughs> <laughs> what is happening to Takumi in this hospital you just get acupuncture yeah he gets the machine from like blade that like takes all the blood <laughs> kind of yeah because there's like this like slab he's held up on. There's a machine with like a bunch of green dripping needles being pressed into his like chest. And they're going to accelerate. They're going to accelerate his cellular decline by having this happen to him. And mist flies out as they puncture him. And it's like, like I don't get why. Just kill him. Like if that was your goal, just, just kill him. <laughs> right? Exactly. Him and Kiba, they make a point early on or like naturals like they're like oh like they're the best or right the maybe they need to like experiment on these big naturals mm. <laughs> sorry <laughs> but then he's, he's getting experimented on and we see like a cement sign for the facility as like katero and kaido and mari walk past like katero drops an iron and has to go back for it and they do an action movie beat up it's like steal the clothes of two doctors and one nurse with these irons I really enjoyed that because I wasn't sure what the point of him dropping an iron in the previous scene was before that. So I liked that it paid off, and especially in such a silly way. Okay, here's my fucking problem, though, is, okay, doctors walk into the elevator, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They get to the floor, 
They go to walk out. They get ambushed and beat up. Then it's going back down. Where did they put the other doctors? Oh. Because other people walk into the elevator after them. Did they just, like, pull them out and dump them on that floor and then get back in the elevator? Probably. Maybe there's, like, a trash compactor nearby. But it's just really (laughs) weird to me. I'm like, we're just going to ignore that those people's bodies just disappeared? I mean, it's not like they stay that quiet. They go loud, like, soon after. So maybe they just put them in a closet. Maybe. Yeah. They just make these bodies uh, disappear. Um, and then they like come into where Takumi is after searching this whole place and they just like beat up with a fire extinguisher and irons and punches this whole medical staff and get them. Mahara and Rina go to the treatment center and he gets owned. And then that's when the Clover shows up and fight him too. And then we cut back to Takumi. He's now in the backseat of the cleaner's van after Mari is like trying to wake him. But Kiba is blocking their way. And then Takabi's like, you guys go. I need to have a final battle with my boyfriend. <laughs> and they get real close. They get fucking like overlapping. Like they're like yeah. <laughs> saying henshin into each other's mouths. <laughs> it's it's past now kiss range. And then this is just between us, go. And the Kiba says, you'll die, but at least there's a way I can kill you myself. And he's like crying as he's saying this. He's almost crying. <laughs> yeah and then of course Takumi's almost crying when he's like yeah like as it should be and Kiba's like whining to him. he's like why are you so obsessed over humans only you accept your life as an orphanage the power of the king be spared death it's like such a like stay with me <laughs> mm. I don't want to kill you aren't you afraid of dying and that's when Takumi says I am that's why I'm doing this to protect humans from the same fate and it's like dude trolley problem <laughs> <laughs> we've been doing all this stuff and like fighting that would probably kill us what makes it different now that we're definitely going to right to die if we save people you know we have an expiration right. date that's a little bit closer we've been doing suicide missions and like life or death fights this whole time it's the same but no um close s- slow henshin and they start by like a samurai like beat running where they're like each staying like the same distance away but like running to the next like location it looks like something from a cartoon honestly Mm. but the other crew comes to the final battle zone and teru dies and gets like destroyed as the king is now the king (laughs) and he's starting to stir and kaido is like well i'm gonna finish my character growth i'm gonna say henshin when i transform and join the fight i'm cool with that I was like, that's great. I think that Kaido was the most consistently done in the end of the show, honestly. He was pretty good. And he has some kind of a character arc in this set of five episodes where he's just like, nah, like, fuck you, Kiba. Like, he's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do what's right. Like, Kaido, Kaido's like weirdly the one who has like the most moral compass. Right. As Takumi and Kiba are fighting, Takumi does a kick, or no, um, Kiba does like his sword finish or Takumi does his punch and they knock away and then they have to fight his Orphanox now. And then like Kiba gets a new form for being an Orphanox, which is also from the movie, I think is like, and they like fight now and Takumi becomes like his final form. 
only the third time that he's ever used. It's only used four times in this show and like two of this episode, which is kind of cool as far as it's scarcity. Yeah. But he takes his gun, shoots Kiba in the chest after catching his sword. He was on the ground. He takes his sword, stops short. And then that's when like he was like, why? Why didn't you kill me? And talking to me, he's like, told you I protect humans. And that includes you. And Kiba was so <laughs> mad, screaming, yelling. How dare you not finish me off? You cock blocking motherfucker. Wow. 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 <laughs> wow. That's exactly what he said, pretty much. <laughs> I thought that this was a really dramatic moment of he's not going to kill him. They have their final battle. Exactly. He didn't finish him off. I don't know what's going on here. And then a moment that I think equal parts works and is stupid and funny is Takumi leaves through a hole in a screen. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And then Kiba tries to follow him, but he can't find the hole. So he's just in the screen being filled like, anyway, anyway, come back. <laughs> and like, I get it. It's like, it's the veil between life and death. And it's like, he's accepting it. And he's not. Oh, is that what it is? Are we, were you going to some like fucking French cinema shit? I mean, in the final episode before people die, they're like, here's this black screen of this veil and you can pass through. I was like, yeah, that's my read at least. It's like, okay, the veil between life and death. I believe it. Which will come back up though. But uh, then Takumi goes to the final fight. Um, but first, did we like how their final fight ended and like even like the whole like screen thing? It was okay. Like, I'm like, Takumi definitely had the opportunity to just like end Kiba there, but he's like, no, he's like, I'm I'm better than that. I'm better than mm-hmm. you. He's like, I don't need to to prove that point by sinking to your level and killing people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. What happens next though is that once more glowing, Fi shows up and rescues Kaido and kicks both closers in one kick, and the king wakes up and is air walking and knocks everyone out, and then we see Kiba back at the fight scene, on the ground holding his chest before he accepts death and walks through the veil and walks through the hole in the screen. That's my read, at least. I think that works as a metaphor. Mm. It's not super... <laughs> it doesn't do the most of the show, but I get what they're going for. And then back at the treatment plant, we see Saiko, whose green shadow is obscured. Because once again, kids show, we can't show nipples, but we can't show people dying. Of course. She goes to her king. He grabs her and fills her with his holy power. She's like, I can feel it. <laughs> True power of the Orphanoc. And like her shadow is destroyed, like which is like her, her actual part of her that's human is God, I guess. N- yeah, now she's like 100% Orphanoc forever and ever. Yeah. But the king walks towards Mari and Katero and Mahara. And Mahara gets knocked out in one hit. And then Kiba's here. He tries to fight. And he says, I still don't have the right answer, but maybe you could help me find it. As he transforms, fights the king, he gets knocked out. Then Otto, then the Otto Vagin shows up, has like the final form for Fies, gets destroyed. Like immediately, yeah. Just, like the king, did, <laughs> king isn't even Instantly, plus. He's yeah. just like, uh, whatever, and then just gets blown up. <laughs> I do like how well they build up like, oh, this is the final villain. He's that strong. Mm. And also like, oh, like the final four or five. It's all very protected. 
as as like you would say in wrestling. But then all three writers transform with Fi's going blaster form. And they say, we'll find it together. Let's fight our answer of all our might. And they fight, and the Kaiser Bell gets destroyed, but Kiba now back to his normal form as an orthodox and not his like demonic form that was the movie suit grabs the king and Takumi throws his sword away and does a big rider kick that explodes real big and then cut to the orphanage to sometime later yeah like there's just like <laughs> it's just inexplicably and there's kids playing and Kaido is touching a fence as he sings as the bird flies and the snake slithers, but only one gets left behind. Which is a pretty sad little moment, honestly. It is. But he looks towards the kids playing. Then Mahara talks. And he's like, man, the weather sure is beautiful today. And he's like, really is. That last battle was almost like a dream, says Rita. Ugh. Y'all didn't do shit. It was so cheesy. Yeah, no, Rita's... <laughs> Rena is such She's a there. fucking nothing character. She's such a jerk. <laughs> I don't even like her. I only told you her name early on because I do. She kept coming back. I couldn't remember if she did anything or had any traits. And she really doesn't. No, she doesn't do jack. Aside from being a jerk, like I said. Her trait is hit by a bus one time. That's about it. Yeah, pretty much. And just being boring as fuck all around. And like... As this is happening, like Kaido saying, what's so great about the Orphanox power? Like anyway, and Mahara is saying, uh, in the end, I wasn't afraid of the power of the Orphanox. People getting consumed by it. Well, you know, humans possess power of their own. And then Rena says, yeah, the power to dream so strong that you do anything, protect it. Such mm-hmm. a beautiful dream, too. And, you know, they're trying to bring stuff back. <laughs> There's a lot of let's call back as much as we can to the end. Um, it's very much... Uh, like trying to uh, make the dark ending a little bit sweeter, I think, and almost trying too hard to do it with how like saccharine everything is all of a sudden. They definitely don't need to go back to Rita and Bahara and then the detectives. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Not. So much of it was unnecessary. There was never a point in my mind where I'm like, what happened to the detective guy? Where is Jaw? I legitimately forgot about right. them until they popped back up every single time. Every time. I thought they left the show after um, Kiba's girlfriend died and they came back in the final episode. I don't remember anything in between. Yeah. Yeah. Every time I saw them, I was surprised all over again. But the old guy's going to become a private detective now as he retired. Good for him. And his daughter's like, my character loop is closed because I'm going to work harder to be a famous hairstylist. So yeah, dreams are hard. Yeah, shut up. I forgot you existed. Thank you. Now, one of these who is a better scene than the detectives or Mahara and Rina is Takuba. Is like, I love high by powers. I'm a construction worker. Oh my gosh. He's a rookie. That's He's a so clutch. Silly. And his boss is the writer Inoue. Wait, what? Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that's Inoue. The one who pinches the shit out of his cheeks. Yeah, gives him a noogie. <laughs> Treats him like a, uh, a little brother who needs a little help in life. Yeah. 
I bet he's in like a seed and changer on. We didn't realize, but yeah, that's old anyway. Um, and, and then we get a divisive moment where we see that um, the king is in a tank, comatose or dead or half dead, and being looked over by Psycho, who's like, "You will not die. You will live again one day. I'm sure of it." Who is like immortal now? I guess. I guess, yeah. We don't really get answers on that. I mean, the implication is she's not going to dust, but maybe she doesn't have a human form anymore, like you said. Right. That's how most people take it. Entirely possible, yeah. And the Prez's office in the next scene is getting hauled away. A smart lady looks on. Looking bitter. But then the final scene. On a hillside, over a blue sky. Once again, water fates, and the sky reflects that water fate because they love water in this show. The show. Um, and Mari says, has it been this sunny in so long? And Kedro says, yeah. It really makes you sleepy, though. And the talking is like, you guys are really asleep. Snoring on top of your lungs. And Kedro says, come think of it. I feel like I had a strange dream. And then Takumi says, speaking of dreams, I finally found mine. And they asked him, and the fumbling guitar that's been like in this whole show starts to play as Takumi looks at his hand, but he can't tell if it's dusting because he can't see straight, which is usually a good sign. <laughs> and then he's asked by Kedro, what's wrong? And the Takumi says, nothing, nothing at all. So what's your dream then? And he's like, making the world's laundry sparkling clean, or just like making the world's laundry sparkling clean. I want to bring happiness to the entire world. And then he does one of two things and either falls asleep or dead. And the OP plays and we see that the trio are framed by the black shroud of death through the hole. And yeah, that's the end of Cup Butterflies. <laughs> what do you think Takabi is falling asleep or dead at that moment? <laughs> I mean... If the movies are canon and they take place at any time after this, then clearly he doesn't die. Not exactly clearly. Yeah. I, and that's kind of where I'm struggling with it, because I, I want, obviously, to believe that he lives. But on the other hand, he was up against some pretty impossible statistics there. Like, I, I would be shocked if the world didn't end with that last battle. I will say there is some multiverse time travel shenanigans that leave it ambiguous. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Just like this ending just did. Like, you very obviously could take it either way. I mean, my thought is he dies here. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Because, like, it's heavy handed, but like the shroud and like the blue sky, it's like, oh, like how water is fate and like the sky is blue because water. Yeah. And then like, it's like also cause like through the shroud, I think the shroud should have been earlier in the show if they wanted to end on it, but I do like it. Like even if it should have been built more. Yeah. And of course he would be with his, his two best friends because it, the show never points to him really having anyone else. So that would make per- perfect sense. But maybe he's just fell asleep. Maybe. Nothing I've said, I have used information from other media to add to or to be more authoritative on. I will say that this comes back up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <sighs> okay. Um, but yeah, I think Fies has a reputation for ending kind of poorly for how much people like the show before the ending. 
would people say that kind of fits how they were feeling or do they feel different? Yeah. No, I I agree. Yep. I kind of feel like, like the fact, okay. The fact that you show psycho and the King just like chilling in a fucking lab at the end is kind of like, okay, well then nothing is really actually resolved. Is it? But then everyone else is kind of like, oh, happy day. Everything's great. We're fine. It's like, no, you're not. Because you you didn't do anything. Really. Because to me, the implication is like, as long as the Orphanoc King still exists, so do Orphanocs. So like, what have you actually done? Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the point, though. To be like, oh, like, this was never going to be everything is resolved, all the Orphanocs are dead. It's kind of like, oh, the king is back sleeping, um, and who knows what's next for the world, but we found some peace. It is, like, right. not a satisfying ending, but it is kind of like... It makes sense. <laughs> In the context of the show, yeah. It fits the show, but it's also kind of a rough getting to it. But the it. thing that, the thing that, like, I... I, maybe this is like me like way overthinking stuff because that's something I ought to do. But like the implication in the series is that you have to be some part Orphanoc to be able to wear the Fies belt. So if and when the Orphanoc King comes back, anyone who can wear the belt is fucking dead. Right. So, well, <laughs> what are you going to do? Do you mean like all the Orphanox are dead or that an Orphanox would have to fight him? Well, I mean, if anyone is going to use the belt, they would have to be an Orphanox. Correct? I mean, just going by the logic of the show. That's just Kamen Rider, though. Sure. Like, every Kamen Rider is like part of the evil that they're fighting. Yes, but in this case specifically, they've made it abundantly clear that you'd have to be an Orphanox, but if all the Orphanox are going to expire, like they imply, like and expire like quickly. Then it's like, okay, well, you know. Well, n- new people are evolving, though, is the thing. So maybe that's it. I guess. Like maybe there's a different cast in 2012 version of this where it's like, hey, in 2012, like the king comes back, or 2023, the king comes back. Maybe. Maybe. But who knows? Really, who knows? Um, I think i didn't like it when i first watched it i think i like it now but also that is very much based on seeing how this gets recontextualized in good and bad ways going forward i will say Mm -hmm. that makes sense i get what they're doing i think it kind of works i think it's kind of a rough last five episodes i was like thinking this whole time like that we watched the show Am I going to be as negative as I think I'm going to be on how Yuka dies or how Mari comes back to life? Mm. Mm-hmm. And I actually liked the consequences of Mari coming back to life. And I felt it was like done well in the story. I liked how Yuka was actually way more involved in her own like death than I thought. Uh, I didn't like really love the like King stuff at the end though, but yeah, I like where it leaves Takumi. I can understand where it left Kiba like after thinking about it, but yeah, it's not the best ending. Nope. I, I'm very unsatisfying in my opinion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Um, well, 
technically the movie next time was another ending. I guess. There you go. Maybe that'll satisfy more. Here's hoping. So there's also, um, as far as endings for the show, there's the movie. There's presumably the movie coming out is going to be another ending. Um, <laughs> nice. I don't even know if we should watch that trailer yet. Or yeah, that's the last thing that we do on Fies is watch the like 30 second trailer for that movie. I think we should. I I think that's a good idea as far as hyping us up for next week. Okay. All right. Um, this is the 2024 movie trailer, not the not the trailer for the movie we're gonna see next time. Oh, okay. This is for the new, new, new movie. Well, unless you want a trailer for the movie with you next time. I mean, I can find that. Both are okay. Yeah. Let me see. It's a 2003 movie. I don't know if. It's sub. It's on YouTube. Oh, there might be. I don't need subs. Just show me it. Ah, fair enough. I'll do this one from 13 years ago. That seems trustworthy to me. Ooh, would you go Geki Joban? I go yes. That's the word I like, sir. <laughs> Trailer. Watch this, and then we'll kind of. So this is for which movie? This is for the 20 2003 movie that aired at the same time as okay. the series. We'll watch a little thing to get ready for decade next time after the movie. How's that? Like we'll like lead in and stuff. But uh, when you're at zero and you're loaded, let me know and we'll count down. Everyone ready? Yep. Ready. Three, two, one, go. This definitely looks like a movie. Yeah. Mostly TV footage so far. <laughs> like, this looks like a proper ass, like, movie movie. Like, it's not like a TV special movie. Yeah. No, it's aired in theaters, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, what the fuck? Oh. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> this is like some like weird battle royale esque shit. I'm here for it. So it's like, okay, this is the bad end. This is like, okay, we're gonna start a war, and then it's like, Japan goes to shit, and now it's like Mad Max. Yep. So this is like, if you ever see that movie where, like, vampires take over the world, like Daybreak or whatever, this is that. It's, okay, so the Orthodox have won, there's one camp of humans left. Dope. Okay. Yeah. So, a different canon. Um, let's see. Um, in an alternate timeline, Smart Brain has accomplished its goal of world domination, where the human race has been diminished to near extinction. 
Takabe Ino was regarded as mankind's savior until he was presumed killed by smart brain troops. Uh, and that's where this movie picks up. <laughs> yeah. So probably Steph's confusion makes a little more sense. Yeah, I was going to say. As I've said, it's dark. <laughs> it is a dark movie. Okay. Hmm. I think one of the first scenes, a blimp flies over Tokyo and says, congratulations, everyone. There's only 4,000 humans left in the world. What the fuck? Yeah. 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 Huh. Okay. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> so, not canon. Um, unless maybe it is. Things are about to get weird, I will say, with uh, Comrade Fies. The show was pretty tame uh, compared to what's about to happen. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> So what's the 2024 movie look like then? We can watch that really quick. That's a much shorter trailer. Huh. It's 15 seconds. Okay. 15 seconds. It's like a teaser. It is a teaser. There's no real trailer yet. Yeah. All right. Second time. Same as the first. Three, two, one, go. Oh. Wow, he looks so much older. Complete. I will say, I don't love the suit. Yeah, it looks a bit chunky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, um, I have no clue what the movie's going to be about. Um, they've only announced four cast members, and it makes no fucking sense who they announced. Oh, who have they announced? Well, obviously, Takami's in it. Uh, Takami, Mari, Kaido, and Kusika. Wait, what? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're going to be saying this uh, as we go. But that's just uh, where we're at. All right. Alrighty then. Uh, there's more trailers, but we'll get to them when it's time to watch those movies. Fair enough. I mean, unless you want to be fucking confused. Nah, we'll get there when we get there. No. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, next time. Nice and simple. Come Murder the movie Paradise Lost. And then also some questions um, and stuff. From there, we will be looking at the tribute arcs for Comrade Decade uh, that match not just Fives, but the three other shows we watch. I'll be very clear on what those are for people, uh, both that have to watch it for the show and want to watch it follow along. Uh, it could be confusing because uh, there's a lot of skipping. At the end of next time, we'll maybe watch like the first minute of the first episode of Decade just to get like the pitch for the show that happens there. Um, after Decade, we're looking at Heisei Rider versus Show Rider, which is canon to Kamen Rider Fies. Um, it's a movie. After that, Kamen Rider GP, uh, Kamen Rider 3, which is also canon to Fies. The spinoff, Kamen Rider 4, which is about Fies. It is another ending to Fies. Um, and then from there, we'll probably be switching up to a new show. Unless that movie comes out really like soon after. But yeah. Uh, for now, though, everybody, we got some questions and we'll take like a postmortem, like pacifies like next time to when we haven't gone as long. But for now, everybody, um, who were your top three favorite characters in this last arc of Comrade Fies? Mm. Um, a hard ass question, I know. 
It is, yeah. Yeah, because this is this like last five uh, episodes are pretty good. I'm gonna say my top five are, let's say, hmm, Kiba for number three, mm-hmm. Takumi for number two, and Kaido for number one. I just like I like that's a fair list. I I like Kaido. I'm a I'm a Kaido simp. Like he's just a great character. He doesn't show up in every episode, but when he shows up, it's like yeah, okay, cool. He's just an Akira. They have another Akira in Kiva. They know what they want. They, but he's got the most pathos here. I think of all three of the of of the like Texans character. His arc's pretty good. Um, Steph, you have a top three. Uh yeah. Uh number three is definitely gonna be the king. Um Okay. I I like I fucking loved his costume. Like it, his whole look, I I enjoyed the hell out of it. Um number two Man, I there's actually kind of a few that I'm like A lot of characters. Yeah. And they're like so many of them are kinda like tying for attention. Um I'm going to have to probably go with Psycho um, again. Uh, I liked how she interacted with the King character a lot. Um, and then her kind of like nursing him there at the end. I, I liked that she got a little bit of a storyline um, mm. after things ended. Um, and number one is definitely going to have to be Kiba. I, I really enjoyed like seeing him get to be an asshole for a couple episodes. Just full villains. You hate humanity. Yeah, yeah. And he went for it and it was great for him because he did play like such a good guy the entire time. So it, it was a nice uh shift in his character to see. Hmm. I think I would say number three Kiba. Mm-hmm. I think his stuff makes sense. It's a little weird for I think it makes sense when you think about it. It is a little bit like jarring seeing his change. Yeah, because it is like really big. It's a big, big change. Uh, number two, Kaido. I really love his whole arc. I think he does a great job. He's the most consistent in these last five. But number one, I think I really like that Takumi has to come to terms with, and he's like my number one, the fact that he finally values life. He finally has friends. He finally has a dream. Mm-hmm. And he's also accepting his imminent death. I think that's a great beat for him. Yeah. Who knows if it happens, but he ends the show being like oh so i am going to die if i make this choice and i'm glad to make it right what was everyone's favorite tokusatsu fight scenes effects new suits we got a uh, one or two of um um my favorite scene was when all three of them uh go up against uh karakami and they all do their finishing move at once and he's just like kind of stumbling around almost uh drunk looking before he goes off into the rose petals again um i don't know why i like this one so much but it was just like for me it was like really uh i was gonna say like evocative but like just really weird like something we hadn't seen what before does it mean? no was when um kita's <laughs> yeah kitazaki when kitazaki gets eaten by the fucking orphanot king and like his fucking mask face opens up to like that big like locust maw and just like he like bites a piece out of him yeah i was like that's weird and like you all the other orphanox like don't have mouths like they're kind of just like these like weird like faceless things and they like feed with tentacles and stuff where he like just actually eats people 
it only happens a, a few times, but there's like five or six common writers who have that ability. And every time it happens, it's dope. It just looks great. Um, like the like mouths. Yeah, that's hard. Um, for me, number one, there's a lot of stuff here. I think I just appreciate. I like the like CG fight scene that they can't afford. Because <laughs> I was just like, yep, this is you trying to do something like outside of your wheelhouse. And you just have to like show a still screen and shake. Uh, but I think final battle's fun like I think it's a like good Mm -hmm. way to show just how people are like in their different forms and they're like oh look I'm an orthodox no I'm a common rider it's solid best outfit everyone (sighs) oh man hard one I know yeah I you know I I dig I'm a sucker for for the king orthodox design with the two like separate like wing looking capes i think that looks Mm -hmm. pretty cool i'm not a super big fan of the helmet per se and like all the like weird like ornate looking things like i get it he's supposed to be like the king or whatever but uh i think that he looks pretty cool and i love the cape design a common rider with a, a scarf or a cape is like that that does it for me it's cool it's pretty good it's top tier yeah what do you think it's deaf? Um, Kiba, after he becomes president, like he's always been a really good dresser throughout the series anyway. But after he gets that CEO position, like his swag can't be matched. Like he's always wearing really nice designer coats and got his hair slicked back. And he just has such a confident look. I really enjoyed that for him. Mm. I liked um the doctor and nurse fits for everyone where they were like sneaking in yes that was pretty good and then um also shout out to uh mari in the backward baseball cap that is like peak uh, <laughs> fun one to help it thing and before we plug ourselves like the erstwhile or sign <laughs> did you guys enjoy cover artifice and do you think it was a good show to cover just like two questions on the show I enjoyed Fies. It provided enough mystery to get to the end. I don't know if it exactly landed the ending, but it was serviceable. It it, it didn't make me hate the show in the way that like Shogeki Goraigan did, where I'm just like, fuck this shit, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Where'd you land on Fies? Like, did you enjoy it, like Steph, as a show? Oh, yeah, I enjoyed the hell out of it. And I really uh, fell in love with a lot of the characters. And I was honestly sad to see Osada's character get killed off. I I was hoping for more from her. Um, You know, just like I said earlier, though, I didn't feel like it really stuck the landing. But I tend to feel that way about a lot of the shows that we've watched. So it's not really a surprise for me. Um, but at least this one, like, it didn't fall into the same track a lot of the ones that we watched have. With this one, it left just enough of it to be ambiguous that they can keep putting out things even if they don't make the most sense. So, uh, that's something, I guess. Yeah, like, I think the show is still my favorite, like, Commander show. And, and it didn't do the thing. Mm-hmm. With Deno. sometimes I kind of was like, having feelings for characters that I don't think necessarily matched what I was seeing in the show, but they were like my feelings from before uh-huh. that didn't happen in this show. I was like, Oh, I get why I felt all these ways about these characters and like enjoy them right. so much. Like they each kind of hit and like even not hitting the ending. I think it 
did do a good job at man there's like 12 characters in this show that are like all memorable mm-hmm. yeah yeah for sure so steph when you have to plug a glug a glug yourself where are you <laughs> Where can we find you? <laughs> that wasn't making any sense. <laughs> Out in the forest somewhere by a pot. No. Um, you can find me at uh, www.arcademilitia.com. Um, you can find me on Instagram or threads at nobody much. Uh, legitimately, I think that's it for my social media. Um, but hey, do that. Yeah. What about you, David? When you're plugging away at that old guy in there uh you can find me you? on the tokyo fresh podcast <laughs> or on my instagram <laughs> at zyrell you could find uh the podcast um at james forge on twitter or no <laughs> me at james forge on twitter <laughs> podcast at common ride with me on co-host uh we are james d and common ride respectively probably need to use co-host more because stop using twitter almost entirely but yeah, um, go to podcast.comrebby.com. Uh, sending questions and comments to podcast.comrebby.com. And if you still have suggestions, send them there because the yearly podcast is going to kind of like split the difference and have one show we're following, maybe like check some other stuff out. So there's some space for like checking out uh, certain things in small chunks. If you go to comrebby.com, there's episodes and articles, slash episodes, links up to platforms. Please rate and review. Uh, especially on Apple Podcasts, and then uh, go to slash merch for our merch store, where you will be able to support good causes where all proceeds go, like the Trevor Project. And yeah, what did we learn today? Oh, man. Uh, You know, this question comes at the end of every single episode, and I'm always like, I don't know what. And I'm always surprised by it. Yeah. Always keep a picture of your childhood crush in your pocket so that way if you turn to dust, people can identify that it's your dust. That's what some Christians believe, Steph. Well, hey, now I'm your cult leader and send me money because I get it. I'm one of you. Uh, what good advice. Huh? Do I have advice for anyone? Ever? <laughs> you know, sometimes... It's the friends you made along the way. Uh-huh. And we started the journey, had some dreams. Sometimes some imagery came up. That's Common Rider, baby. <laughs> <laughs>